Unlike when Tarantino was here, I actually read your stuff. <laughs> he literally walks with a limp his whole life because his master just broke his leg for fun. So do you have this stuff go to your house? That's the other problem. You know what? I'm going to start with these books. Guys, get rid of these fucking books. <laughs> 100%. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow. How have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month, when you purchase a three-month plan, more like, wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. We use Mint Mobile at the office, and we have been saving so much money since switching over, and setting up on Mint Mobile's website was super easy. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash bears. That's mintmobile.com slash bears. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash bears. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three months plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Welcome to another episode of Two Bears, One Cave. And for the second time ever, we have a smart person in the studio. You might know him as the Daily Stoic. Put your hands together for Ryan Holiday, everybody. It's uh, your number two, second smart who's, guy ever. Who's number one? Huberman was was here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart guy. Yeah, of course. Smart guy. Um, unlike, uh, I feel like he's much more of a bear than I am. I feel he like is I don't a even bear. qualify. He as totally a bear. is a bear. Yeah, but I mean, you know, we can grow that beard, huh? <laughs> I actually cannot. You can't, dude. Like this, dude. This, have Huberman send you some supplements? If if I if I didn't shave for like a month, I would get like probably what you get in like a day. Really? It just doesn't happen. I remember. Um, I was shaving pretty early. Yeah. And a friend's dad was like, how often do you shave? And, th and then I'm like 16, yeah. 17. I was like, yeah, I mean, pretty often. Like, I guess almost every day. He goes, and, and it comes in pretty full. And I was like, yeah, and I was feeling pretty good. And he goes, yeah, you're probably done growing. And I was like, what? And he was like... <laughs> You're not going to grow anymore. I really? was like, what? Really? He's like, yeah, if you're, I was like, oh, fuck, I'm done growing. I thought I was just going to keep, you know, getting, but I was like, oh, no. It fucking affects Someone me. told me that, like, being a runner as, like, when you're in your teens, like, it fucks with your hormones in a weird way really? or something. But Were you cross country? Kind of, yeah, I did. Yeah. I could see it. Yeah. You so still was, run? Yeah. Yeah. How often? Uh, every day. Every day? Yeah. Long distances or? Longish, like, yeah. four to five or six, something like that, okay. usually. Yeah, I've been I've been uh, started running more in Austin. In Austin, yeah. Where do you run? I ran uh, at Barton Creek. There's okay. a trail that goes yeah. like all the way around this. I just did it um, the day before. Yeah, yesterday I played ball, but the day before I did the run. The Town Lake Trail is like one of the best trails in the country. Really? I think. Yeah, it's ten. So you know Town Lake, like in the center of Austin, uh -huh. right? That's a there's a ten mile loop. Okay. And none of it's it's all like cr like manicured like crushed granite. 10 miles so you can do all these different iterations and then there's like i don't know like four or five bridges so you can like do ver different you don't have to do the same yeah. thing every day i haven't done it in so long and um i have like the only most of the cardio i've been doing was is indoors you know like in gyms like yeah. by like i do the peloton bike and try and when i was in new zealand we did an outdoor run i was like man this is so much better yeah. like in all ways yes. like 
what you see, the feeling, the, the running is actually more challenging, but more rewarding. I, I liked it so, so much more. Yeah, I hated it when I was a kid. And then as soon as I, when I was in college, I fell back in love with it. And then I've basically done it every day since. That's awesome. Yeah. It's almost like you have a sense of discipline. Yes. yes. Um, For me, the discipline is actually more like not doing it. Like if I'm like sick or tired or the weather's bad. And I have to think about it. Like I try to take my kids for this walk every morning. Mm -hmm. And like this morning it was cold and they were like unhappy. And like, I have to be like, do I want to be the person that forces my kids to do shit that they hate? Yeah. Or can I be like, this is a made up thing. I have to, for me being disciplined about discipline is actually like the harder. I understand that. I mean, I think that that like discipline now for me with physical things is actually going, all right, that, that is something that you should listen to that feeling that tweak, um, instead of going, no, you push through. It's actually no dial it back. Yes. And, um, and, and listen to that because if you don't, you know, it can yes. really go wrong. Yeah. It's like, do you want to miss one day cause your leg hurts or do you want to miss like six months cause you tore something? Yeah. 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 Um, I, okay. Unlike when Tarantino was here, I actually read your stuff and, <laughs> um, <laughs> I look, man, I fucking read it later. I get it, all right? You went to the movies with a black guy. Anyway. Um, I've, okay, so first I want to tell you how I, how I discovered you. Like okay. what this whole, this whole thing is. There's so many things I want to uh, talk about. But a few years ago, this is how I actually first landed on any of your stuff. I forget what it was. It was a few years ago and I had expressed like some struggle, uh, you know, something that was on weighing on my mind to somebody. And they sent me a link to the daily stoic Instagram page. Yeah. Right. And they go, they go, do you follow this page? And I was like, no. And they go, Oh, they post uh, great stuff like this. And it was a quote. Yeah. um, And it was just one of those, things where it's like it's just a moment where you read the quote and you're like oh yeah like they were, you know it was a, it was a bit sure. of wisdom that, yeah. um, that I took in and I was like oh that's that's a really good one so I hit follow and you know um, and I would you know scroll as we all do and I would land on those sometimes and I was like oh that's a, that's a really good one and I didn't even realize that there's a person attached to it yeah. um, and I just thought it was you know somebody posting that stuff and then eventually I saw your page and I was like oh and I didn't even put together at first I was like oh that's that guy yeah. okay um, and I I started following you and you know I think that look most pages I will say are fucking nonsense it's just you you have one of the few public pages on Instagram where I would say you know when you when you read when you post something whether it's a quote or a video you say something even if it's a brief moment, you provide kind of a brief moment of calmness to me, right? Yeah, like where awesome. I go, and I think you probably do for a lot of people where yeah. they go, this is a nice, this is a, in all the chaos and everything that's going on in our lives and our world, there's a moment where you digest something that you've said or, or, or shared and somebody goes like, oh yeah. And, and even, and look, you might go right back to your chaos, but it is nice to have these brief moments where you kind of feel like, oh yeah, step back, slow down, or process, or perspective, a different perspective, and you go, oh, yeah. And and that's how I first came to know you. So it's one of the very few positive Instagram stories out there. Um, that's so funny. Um, 
It, it is weird because I think people think philosophy is this like thing you like study in college uh-huh. or it's this thing that you, you do like once, like you have done it sure. as opposed to this thing that you practice or it's like an ongoing thing. Christina, P, uh, she's a philosophy yeah. major. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but they, I think people tend to think of like people who don't, don't actually have familiarity with philosophy think it's either this like academic discipline uh-huh. as theoretical thing or it's a thing that you have studied in the way that's like I studied physical therapy or insert yes. thing yeah. as opposed to this ongoing pursuit yes and there's this there's this one interesting letter from Seneca where he's writing to his friend and he it's like 2000 years ago and he's basically saying like he's like I'll give you a quote you give me a quote mm-hmm. and so like they're doing it imagine how difficult it would have been to write a letter, to deliver a letter. But they're doing the same thing 2,000 years ago, which is like, I'll give you a quote that's helpful. You give me a quote that's helpful. And he was like, this is what it is. It's yeah. like, if we get one thing per day that makes us a little bit better, that we think about for two minutes, he's like, that adds up. And that's kind of what the the daily idea of the daily stoic is supposed to be, which I kind of fell into totally by accident. Would, you, would you summarize stoicism as such? Um, yeah, I mean, so it's, it's a philosophy. It starts about 2,500 years ago mm-hmm. and it's built around this idea that like, we don't control what happens. We control how we respond to what happens and that everything, all of those responses should be towards these sort of four virtues, which are courage, temperance or self-discipline, justice, and wisdom. And so of all the philosophies, it's less this sort of systemic or systematic explanation of the universe and more like this operating system for being like both a good person in the world, but also like a person who's able to survive a shitty, fucked up, complicated, like unpredictable world. Has that, has being, I mean, I would consider you, you know, an expert in this field, has that helped you survive, you know, hardships and, and tough yeah. moments? Yeah, I mean, look, my, my, my hardships are privileged compared to someone who sure. doesn't have any arms or legs or was born in, you know, sub-Saharan but Africa. But everybody goes something. through something, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're like, the wor- we're all, we all have the same limited amount of control over the world totally. that we're in. And it really is like our, our you know, the, depending on how you want to describe it, it's our, our mindset yeah. and our our, our, our mind frame, our perspective, our view of things that helps you either fall apart or persevere and push through. You have a, a, amazing examples of a lot of this in the, in the book. Well, one of the cool things about Stoicism is that like Seneca's, the, there's the big three in Stoicism and it's Seneca, Epictetus, and Marcus Aurelius. And Marcus Aurelius, it, they actually form like kind of an interesting spectrum. So on the one end, you have Epictetus, who's a slave. He's like, and this is a slave in Rome, like the shittiest place you could be a slave, uh, He's he literally walks with a limp his whole life because his master just broke his leg for fun. <laughs> so he's he's just uh, has like That's as shitty cool. a life as yeah. you can get. He he wins his freedom at like thirty, and then he's promptly exiled. So like all the things that all the bad things that can happen to a person happen. Epictetus, he's like one end of stoicism, and then the other end there's Marcus Aurelius, who's not even like born a prince like Prince Charles. Like he's just born this regular kid. His dad dies. And then the emperor goes, I think you should be my heir. And so he's like, just chosen, like just a random kid basically is chosen to be groomed, to be the most powerful, richest, most famous person in the world. So it's like, as far as extreme ends of the spectrum, it's like everything that could go wrong, 
everything that could go is right. Is Aurelius chosen the, by the emperor because of the, his way of being as, you know, his, his personal uh, temperance at that age? I mean, we don't, like, we don't know the exact age that he, like, sort of comes into the circle, but basically Hadrian is the emperor. He's probably gay, doesn't have any kids. And he, I think, comes up with the idea that, like, uh, I could mold someone from scratch to be what it takes to be emperor. Mm-hmm. And so he, he, see, he probably sees something promising in him and then says, like, I want to train him to do this thing. And then the interesting thing is he, he realizes that it's an impossible thing to put on a person that young. So he adopts this guy named Antoninus, who's like in his late 50s on the condition that he adopt Marcus Aurelius. So they set in motion this chain where when Hadrian dies, Antoninus will be emperor. And then when Antoninus dies, Marcus will be emperor. And he probably thought, you know, Antoninus will rule for five years and then Marcus will become emperor like in his 20s or Mm -hmm. something. And Antoninus rules for 19 years. Mm -hmm. And so Marcus becomes emperor like late 30s, early 40s. Which is a good thing. It uh, it works out totally. And they actually got along. Yeah. Like even though they had, none of them had any blood relation to each other and they could have seen each other as rivals or whatever, like Mark, like Antoninus actually decides I'm going to help my successor be successful. And then Marcus Aurelius says like, I'm going to actually listen to the person who wants to teach me. Yeah. And they have this like amazing, uh, never before, never again, like, transition of power. Yeah, it's we don't, really remarkable. We don't really see that these days. No. No. Well, no. It's a totally different. And like even even when there's much lower stakes. You know mm, what I mean? Like sure. that that Tim Cook takes over for Steve Jobs, you're like, oh, they don't they didn't fucking hate each other. Good for them. You know? And like yeah. the stakes are so like yeah. they couldn't kill each other. They couldn't like get rid of their relatives. Like it the the emperor had unlimited power. They could put whoever they wanted to death. They controlled the largest empire in the world, the largest army in the world. Like the stakes are enormous. Yeah, and you know we're it's supposed to corrupt absolutely, and then there's like three exceptions in a row. It's very weird. Yeah, that's very strange that that you would be able to have to wield that much power and and not become a animal. I, I mean, it speaks to probably how grounded and in some way the guys must have been or they're they're, they really wanted to rule for the betterment of an entire society which yeah everybody like everybody who runs for office sells that speech yes everybody yeah they all are like i just care about this and then you're always you're always disappointed in them yes well um have you read um robert caro's books no, he's like the, he he's been writing about Lyndon Johnson since like basically Lyndon Johnson died. Just um, about Johnson? Yeah, he, he's he's on book five of this, about Lyndon Johnson, which you would think would be so boring. Yeah. It is the most. It's probably the greatest biograph series of biographies ever written. Really? Yeah, and um, it's it's incredible. You should definitely read it. Um, they're they're I'm sure they're good audiobooks too. He's 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 like in his 80s now. He's probably the greatest biographer of all time. He shows up every day talk about discipline. He's still in his 80s or 90s. He shows up every day in a suit mm-hmm. and he goes to his office and he writes longhand and then his wife types them up. They're this like writing team. They've been working together That's forever. Pretty cute. That's um, pretty cute. But Johnson's from the Hill Country here in Texas. Yes, so like I've, he I've lived been there. In, I've been to that uh the the town that he's from. Johnson because, City? Yeah, because yeah. like and then there's there's signs about it everywhere. And you can I you like can go how to his was, white house. Like, searching for the name and you're like 
Johnson City dipshit. <laughs> um, you can yeah. see there's like, they called it the Western White House yeah. or the White House on the Brazos. You can go, but anyways, Caro like lived here for a long time just to study Johnson and the libraries here. Anyways, um, Johnson, uh, uh, Caro's talking about Johnson and he goes, power doesn't corrupt. That's too simple. He says power reveals. That's And so it's really like, who, if you're a shitty person, power's gonna make you worse. Yes. And if you're a good person, it could make you better. You could do good things with it. People always say a similar thing about wealth. Yeah. That that it'll kind of, you know, show who the person really is. If they yes. become extraordinarily wealthy, they're like, the guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. You're going to find out. Right. Yeah. Like, it's like, uh, maybe I would not have broken so- my slave's leg for fun, just so you know. <laughs> I would have done that 100%. <laughs> Buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around. They get a beautiful gift, and you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it. The only tricky part, figuring out how to get the perfect piece at the best price. This is what I recommend for any jewelry purchase. Source it from BlueNile.com. Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds and fine jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer a peace of mind with every purchase with some of the highest quality standards in the industry. They're available 24-7 by phone or chat to answer technical questions and give recommendations for every budget. The thing about buying jewelry is you really don't know what you're getting into. You don't know what you're looking at often. And the great thing about working with Blue Nile is you have somebody who's a true expert that can help guide you along the way so you don't feel lost, so you know what these diamond grades are, you know you're getting real value. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. And just in case you don't, they offer 30-day returns. Shop Blue Nile today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler. Go to BlueNile.com today. That's BlueNile.com. Com. Hello, I'm Johnny Knoxville. And I'm Elna Baker. And we have a new podcast. It's called Pretty Sure I Can Fly. Yep. We've teamed up with my friends and barmates from Smartless to create a podcast where we talk to folks who have more balls in a bowling alley. People who accomplish something extraordinary despite people telling them that it couldn't or shouldn't be done. You'll hear stories about the Air Force doctor who buckled into a 600 mile per hour rocket sled and became the fastest man on the planet. And a man who wrestles alligators and sharks for fun. Do not do this. <laughs> You'll hear about a foul-mouthed moonshiner. Got a two-inch dick and a six-inch tongue and knows how to use both of them. <laughs> and an even more foul-mouthed female stunt pilot. We got bull riders. Balloonists. Bobsledders. And big wave surfers. People who lay their balls on an anvil and hand the other fellow the hammer. Okay. I bet you've actually done that, Johnny. Maybe for sweeps. Follow Pretty Sure I Can Fly on the Wondery app. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Pretty Sure I Can Fly early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. That sounds like too good a time. Um, sorry. No, no. It's, it's, uh, so it, Cara's point about Johnson is like, Johnson is basically like uh, your average Southern racist politician, uh-huh. more or less corrupt, like, totally into it for himself. So you would think that when he finally gets the thing he wanted more than anything, he would have been awful. And like he passes the civil rights amendment, the voting rights acts. Like he actually, like his point is that Johnson gets power and like in many ways actually is better for it. Um, Mm. But 
Marcus is an interesting example because he has power that Lyndon Johnson couldn't even dream of. Uh, incredible power. And, and, he, and there's a cool passage in Meditations where he says, like, be, he says, be careful of being Caesarified, like Caesar. And he says, don't be stained purple, as the emperor's um, cloak is purple. And uh, his point is, like, don't be corrupted by power. And he does, like, a pretty good job of not how, doing it. How are these guys, like, the three of them, able to have this this perspective? It's, like, it's almost hard to wrap your especially in that time and with that, like you're saying, that level of godlike power, I don't understand how they were able to hold back. It's, it's yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, uh, you could argue it's the philosophy, right? That's like the one thing they all have sure. in common. And Marcus, it's like incredible. Marcus is given by his philosophy teacher, like at 25, he's given a copy of Epictetus's lecture notes. Mm -hmm. Either his professor or either his, his teacher had attended them or he'd gotten a copy. And so in his meditations, Marcus is like quoting Epictetus all the time. So you have this like powerless person influencing this very powerful person and yeah, maybe it's sort of, it's like a set of guardrails or a set of principles to act by and he does a good job. Or and maybe, they stuck to it though. Like that's the one yeah. thing to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to sure. hold to this, but that, then to actually have the position yes. and still stick to yes. your philosophy, it's a different thing. Or, and to have it for a long time, right? Right. Like it's like you did it for like Nero, who's the other interesting emperor here. Cause I talked about Seneca, Seneca is a philosophy teacher and a politician, and he gets this job helping this kid who's supposed to be emperor in the future. And that kid is Nero. And just like people who don't know Roman history, like he sucked, right? Like yeah. that, the, you just know that name is like a shitty guy. Yeah. So Seneca's job was to teach this kid. He teaches him all the philosophy and it doesn't work. It doesn't stick. He doesn't listen. But there's the first five years of Nero's reign are considered by historians to be pretty good like he gets good marks and then the wheels come off so it's like you know someone's someone's successful or um talented and it's like they have these habits they have like people around you know it's like you can you can withstand the sort of warping effects of wealth or privilege or power for so long and then as the limitations fall away, then who you are is revealed. So I think it's not just Marcus was emperor and didn't, wasn't shitty like at the beginning, right. but that like 15 years in. That's the more impressive thing. Yeah. It's the longevity of it. Yes. Yeah. To be consistent for a long time is, it's like the thing that impresses you the most, I, I think like in, in entertainment, yeah. it's when you see somebody like, like I, I didn't appreciate it when I was a kid, yeah. but the older I get and you're like, this person's been knocking it out of the park for like 40 years. You yes. know what I mean? Like, yes. like as a singer or an actor, you're like, God damn, that is, that really is impressive. Well, cause you know, like they could be coasting and like, there's nothing there's No one has a gun to your head insisting that you maintain a quality no, of work. It's completely it's the opposite. It's completely up to you. Yeah. 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 To, to, to find a drive to push to like, you know, I mean, and you talk about, um, a couple authors, you know, that, that just, they're about doing the work and that's yeah. ultimately what has to be the thing that you care about yeah. to deliver good work. I, th I mean, yeah. you see it in comedy. There's a bunch of examples of like great comedians who like, it's just, it's decades long. We're like, they, they're not distracted by it. They're just like about, yeah. and with, I think with writing, by the way, I can't believe how much, how much you've turned out and you're fucking 35. Yeah. I mean, if I didn't see you, I'd be like, I don't know, this guy's in his sixties. I don't know. He's a 
fucking old wise guy. <laughs> I do. I do. I feel very old. I, mean, I, I had Jesus. a. Kind of, I mean, my first book came out when I was twenty four, so I have That's, a little bit of a head start. But now, is it true? Because you know, we produce yeah. Doctor Drew after yeah. dark here. That Doctor Drew introduced you to stoicism. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, can we hear this? Yeah. I was in college. I went to Riverside uh-huh. in Southern California and uh, I was writing for the college newspaper and I got this like call, maybe as a message in my inbox. Anyways, I got invited to this thing that Trojan Condoms was putting on. Nice. It was like a, like a conference or something yeah. for college journalists. And so I went, I was like, I get to go to Hollywood. I've never been before. They put us up in this hotel. And then we, we, we went down and it was like, there was a, a talk and then like some Q and A or something. And the, the person talking was Dr. Drew. This would have been like 2005, maybe 2006. Uh, so still like kind of the height of Loveline, mm-hmm. and, uh, which I had grown up listening to sure. in my room every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, so I was a huge fan. But, and I knew Dr. Drew was like really smart. And I don't think I'd ever met any smart people in my life. Yeah. You know, like, that's what I feel like when I work here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, hey, like, you're smart. Like what books should I read? I just went up to him after yeah. and I asked him that. And he was like, I'm reading this guy Epictetus. And I was like, what? You know, like, I didn't know what that, I mm-hmm. didn't even know how you would really begin to spell that. And, uh, so I went back to my hotel room and I typed that in and, um, Marcus Aurelius also came up like in the Amazon search mm-hmm. And I'd seen the movie Gladiator, so I was like, I should, I should start there. That's more yeah. my style. Yeah, sure. And uh, yeah, that like totally changed my life. And did that change? Did you then major in everything? And like, did you? I dropped out like several months later. Not his fault. Yeah. But uh, I left college, and then uh, I did a bunch of other stuff, always with the intention of coming back to writing. To writing. Yeah, that's and what the, I wanted to. And do. were you apprentice for? Robert I was I, I one of the things I left college for was to be a research assistant for Robert Greene. And I, I see that you're still obviously like because you I've seen you guys together. You yeah. you posted about his book I think today or yesterday. When, yeah. like you're like we're doing week. we're doing our first two live events actually like in March. And I've never done anything in person before. He must also have like a sense of I don't know pride or something about the fact that you were a research guy for him and that you've developed this career that you have or like he's he's the best like he it's funny because the first law in the 48 laws of power is never outshine the master uh-huh. and then um he talks about how like um people are very precious and sensitive yeah. and insecure and I, one of the other laws is uh do all the work and let others take the credit mm-hmm. and um he has been like an incredible like he has opened up so many doors for me and so good and is like, to me is the greatest. Yeah. Like of like nonfiction uh, sort of self-improvement books. I think he's the best. First off, his books have sold like a trillion copies. So many. And yeah. he's been doing it. Nobody, you talk about doing it at a level. The 40 Laws of Power came out in 1998. God. And it's still like a, one of those. It, if you pull it up on Amazon right now, I bet it's like top 100, top 200. Not only that, it's um, it's in the lexicon where like, pe- yes. like it's not a thing right. where people go, what is that? Like it's 50 a, Cent it's a plotted reference. his entire career on the 48 Laws of Power, which he read when he was in the hospital after getting shot. Really? Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's, he's just like the greatest and, uh, he is. And I imagine that just as a side note, the amount of research that goes into the, something like the 48 Laws of Power feels like it would be just unbelievable. Robert has like sections in his books that are as long as my whole books that I've published. So we're like, we're operating in very different 
universes. Sure, but that's inc- still right. Like, the, yeah. it's like well, he sh- he showed me how to write books. So, like, I think from Robert, I learned like a whole bunch of things about work ethic, and I learned a whole bunch of things about he had me read all this. Stuff. I I learned like that w- that was like college for me is working for Robert. Mm-hmm. But Robert also showed me like actually how you do the thing, which you can't really like would take decades. So why am I, why have I been able to do this in such a short time? It's because I didn't have to learn literally the hardest thing there is to learn by trial and error. But which is like, how do I write? How do you write a book? You have an idea for a book. How do you write a book? Just like, if you're like, I want to be a comedian and they were like, okay, well, here's all the steps of that process instead of like, fumbling around and doing I, the wrong thing. Dude, I, I didn't know what I was doing when I wrote the book. I wrote a book. Oh, sure. And I was like, uh, you know, I remember, so I got a deal to write the book as the pan- the pandemic took place, right? Yeah. Or started. And so a couple of months in, you're like, you know, what I'm used to is touring. Touring mm-hmm. is, and you never imagine a world where like touring shuts down. Sure. All of a sudden we're sitting there like, yeah, there's no touring. Yeah. So and maybe it'll never come back. And maybe, never, yeah. And Cause yeah. every month they're like, it'll probably be back next month. And next month they're like, actually it's worse. And yeah. Like, okay. So they're just like, take your touring off your schedule for like at least a year. And you're like, wait, what am I going to do? Yeah. So I'm working a manager at the time is like, well, why don't you, uh, you want to write a book? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So, I talked to a publisher and they just say like, well, can you, can you send in like store? I like, you know, an sh- example of your writing. Sure. So I write a couple essays, let's say I send these in. They're like, oh yeah, you can definitely write a book. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we work out a deal. Okay. You got And I, then I'm like, well, what do I write? Yeah. And they're like, write more of these. Yeah. And I'm like, do they have to like string together or something? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, I, I don't know what to do. And they're like, just write, man. And so I'm just writing this thing and I, look, I have no idea, you know, like this, this to me is a, there's a through line. There's like, you know, it all kind of, it all ties together. Sure. What I wrote is like a story about my dad, a story about this place, a story about the airport the, you know, it just like, it doesn't all go together. But I think that's kind of a, actually a good metaphor for life, which is that you assume that like when someone pays you money to do stuff, yeah. that they know how to do it. They're going to tell you to, how to do it. And that it should be pretty straightforward how to yeah. do it. And the reality is it's like they're paying you to figure it out. They are. And like they they have no intentions or plans or even ability to babysit you. And it's like you have to figure it out. Yeah. And so even yeah, even on my first book when I sold it, it's like, wait, now I'm yeah, I'm twenty-three, twenty-four, and I have to go do a thing that I've never done before that I don't actually know if I can or can't do for the most amount of money I've ever been paid to do a thing. Mm-hmm. And if I fuck it up, I won't be able to do it again. And so the ability to sort of figure stuff out is like obviously a huge strength and that not a lot of people have. Yeah. But I think they people assume like if I just get like discovered or if I just get my break, that's like so it's many people all downhill from there. And yeah. it's like, no, that's like that's not even the startup. That's like that's like the warm up to yeah. the start of just the thing. Primed for stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You have to figure out how to do all the things. You strike me as someone who probably, I don't feel like you take much time off when you're done with something. This is actually, um, so I'm doing this. The Discipline is the second book in a four book series. Uh And I did the first one a year, a year. And then the third one is basically done. And um, It's basically done? It's basically done. What is the third one? It's on justice. And and how long till that? Is well, so I um, it could come out in September, and I made the first time the decision for the first time in my life to push 
a project for a year. So I'm gonna like I'm gonna let it sit for a year basically and like just in a drawer and yes. gestate. Exactly, like in the book. So you could tell that I read it. Yes, yeah, yeah you definitely yeah. did. Um, yeah. that's the Joyce Carol Oates story, yeah. which I appreciate. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so okay, so you you actually will then revisit it, much like she's gonna revisit like, it, and I'm not gonna start the next one right away either, which okay. actually is taking like a fair amount of restraint for me i'm in this phase right now so there's always this thing and i wonder if it's similar to like what you go through um where i just shot a special it's my uh fifth one hour special the turnaround time on these is usually like so usually if there's not a pandemic yeah you you shoot it and then you go back to square one you build an hour because you have to get you have to kill all the material all of it Yeah. yeah Um, yeah, it's all gone. And then you start from square one and then you build a new hour, you tour with it and then you shoot it. Usually this is, has been a two year window for me, that, that whole process, write it, tour, shoot. And, uh, so I just shot, I shot in November. Um, and then it's, it's not, you know, it's like, it's being edited and cut in there. I'm, I have not turned in a cut because I always go like, I don't want to watch it. And yeah. like, can you please watch it? And I go, no, I don't really feel like it. And then people like start. You don't feel like it or it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah it's uncomfortable. I hate yeah. watching myself do stand up. I hate listening to myself do stand up. I've, dude, I've, sometimes there's like my, my stand up will come up yeah. on my phone and I'll fucking punch the radio. Like, yeah. I don't want to hear that shit at all. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear my voice, but. It's because it sounds different in your head. Oh. It's something about the vibrations. So Tim Ferriss was telling me this, like so that, like the the way you hear your voice when it's coming out, you hear like the sound vibrates through your own skull. So yeah. you have your a sense of your voice as X, and then you hear it from an outside source, not directly coming out of your mouth. Yes, and it sounds like what it sounds like to other people, and that is super unfamiliar, unfamiliar to you. So unfamiliar and like yeah. recognizable. Obviously, you know it's you, but it's unfamiliar. And also there's just this discomfort of, I feel like I'm, when I hear myself do stand up, I feel like it's the equivalent of like doing stand up at the dinner table for my family. I'm like, Hey, how's everybody doing? And they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. it, it feels like I'm doing that to myself. Yeah. Like I just, I can't handle it. So, but what I'm getting to is that now, okay, now I'm going to square one. It's one of the most frustrating parts is um, when you start over. Sure. It's become... Here's the thing. It's familiar. In other words, I recognize it and I know what it is. Yeah. And that helps because you go, I know I'll get through this, but there's this period where you go, I don't know if I'll ever come up with yeah. anything else again. Yeah. And then I go, Oh, that, that's what I thought last time. And that's what I thought the time before. And that's what I thought the time before, but it's, um, and then you, what you get euphoria is when you all of a sudden you just, it just starts. Yeah. You do your first new bit and when you do a new bit, whether it's at the very beginning or even like as you're touring, there's nothing like the feeling. I mean, I can remember on tour coming up with a new bit and and going to like see friends and I, and they were like, "You look happy," and I yeah. was like, "I just fucking I have a yeah. new bit and it worked." And like that feeling never. I think that's what actually keeps you doing it forever and ever. Yes, is that there's no feeling like it, like coming up with something, going on stage, and trying it and having it having it be become like a solid bit. Um, but yeah, I'm at that phase right now where I'm like, Oh fuck, I, I got to start all over again. You know, well, it's like torturous and wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's both. Yeah. And I think for me, my solution to the torturous has always been like, 
um, as soon as you finish, start the next one. Like as soon as you finish, start the next one. And so I've been on that for basically 10 years. Yeah. And the thinking was first off, I want to do it for 50 years yeah. or whatever. And that, so obviously that's not sustainable. You can't yeah, do, you can't. can't do it every year for 50 years. Like you'll die and you'll, or you'll wake up and you'll be like, Oh, like, I don't know who my kids are because I've been doing this thing, which yeah. actually doesn't matter to me that much anymore. Yeah. And so, um, now I, so, so it, it's weird. It's like, it requires discipline to like start the next one. But then if that's like the groove or the rhythm you get into, then actually it, it doesn't take discipline to keep in it. It's like, uh, no, a, a workaholic, which I sort of struggle with that tendency. Like a workaholic is actually like the work isn't hard for them. The work is this weird, addictive, totally like selfish thing for it, it, it's, it's, um, it, it seems like it's healthy on the outside to other people, but it's actually like the worst thing they could be doing. And I completely, I, I have suffered from the same yeah. type of thing where it's like, when are you going to just enjoy life yeah, be and, and not do and, and be and not exactly be and not do. So that's it. Yeah. That's its own struggle. The struggle yeah. is not like doing more work. Yeah. That's actually, you're like, Oh, I'll fall into that. Yeah, sure. I'll do more work. It's like when I was 15, I had to struggle I, to make myself be someone that works. Right. And yeah. you win that battle and then you have to rein in that impulse. I mean, you don't have to, I mean, you could be Tom Brady if you want, sure. um, if you're lucky and you don't get hurt and all these other things, but like it comes at an extremely high cost. And sure. like my, I'm interested in being really good at what I do professionally, but also, have you heard this term art monster? Art monster? Yeah. Uh -uh. It's like someone who be, basically becomes a monster in pursuit of their art. Oh. Like they, they're so all in in the thing that they're basically, there's like savage about it. And it could be, it's not just, oh, they work really hard. They could just be like, like Harvey Weinstein's obviously an art monster also in yeah. a different extreme way. But where you give yourself totally over to the thing and you lose what is like sort of good and decent and normal. Yeah. And I would like to be, I've gotten to know like some sports, some, some really great athletes from the books. And like, there's obviously the ones who have like won the most. Yeah. I'm really interested when you meet someone who's like won a lot and then they're like fucking normal. Yeah. And there's, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've discovered this too. There's, there are endless stories of um, the greats in, in sports in entertainment in, in politics who are like, they're like this, the most famous person. And then you, you just, yeah. peek behind and it's just stories of what a piece of shit yeah and their and their whole personal life is just a disaster and they're like he was a drunk and abusive and neglectful and you're just like oh that's just a, like nobody's having less fun yeah nobody's life is worse than that person and they're like but he made cool paintings <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah okay yeah that's great yeah. yeah yeah to me it's it's actually harder to be like world class at something and be like Pretty normal. That is definitely harder. Yeah. Also, one of the reasons why is that the more world class you get, the more the world treats you differently. Sure. That's the thing about the super famous that I think some of us lose sight of is that the reason that they're weird is because everybody treats them like they're not normal. Right. So that it takes a real effort to be like, oh, I am. Like, how does fucking, I don't know, Rihanna, be, like, when was the last totally time she was normal. in a regular airport? Right. And then somebody was like, excuse me. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, yeah. like, cause that's normal. It's yes. normal that somebody would be like, I'm in front of you. You yeah. know, like yeah, yeah. when everybody is just like, you're the greatest, that, that changes your view sure. of the way the world operates. Yes. Uh, and then if you do that for a really long time, oh, you can't possibly keep your bearings. No, then you're Garth Brooks. You're a fucking psycho, dude. So 
Um, <laughs> no, and I think actually one, that's one of the reasons I live here and like how I live. That's a choice. That's a, that's a deliberate choice. Yes. Yeah. I mean, what made you choose here? Well, so I wrote my first book. We moved to new, my wife and I moved to new Orleans. We were like, let's like move somewhere weird. Yeah. That's not a major city. And we liked it, but it's like you, you can't be a normal person in new Orleans for very long because uh-huh. it's not a normal place. It's like what, not. what other city takes a month off every year for parades and parties? Um, so one of the, it, it is, I will say this for people that in the United States, a lot of people haven't traveled, you know, yeah. and you go like, man, if you want to go to a place that is truly different, I mean, it really stands apart. Just go there. Just go and see them. Like this is one of the major cities of the United States and they operate on a whole other wavelength. Yeah. It's crazy. So that was really great. And then my first book came out and I was like, I'm a writer now. I should move to New York. Yeah. I moved to New York. And I was like, this is awful. This is not how people should live or where I want to live. <laughs> and how uh, people should live. Yeah, this yeah. is not this is not good for anyone. Yeah. And it uh, is if you make sixty five million dollars a year, it's totally right. Which, which people say yeah. in New York as Though it's a normal thing to say. Yeah, yeah. They They're do, like, yeah. as long as you make more than a million a year in New York's pretty great. And yeah. you're just like, yeah, that's not normal. That's I mean, not, it is not if, normal. If you're making no. more than a million a year, great. And, and by the sh- way, you're not balling in New York. No, no, that's, a year. that's to have like a, yeah. uh, an apartment with two bedrooms. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Um, and you're still renting. Yes. That's the crazy thing. There's like people that make a million a year and they're like, I rent. And you're like, you fucking don't own a place? You yes. make a million dollars a year? No. Yeah. It's not, that's not. That's not the treadmill that I think you want to be on. If you have a choice, some yeah. people you don't. What you of do, course. you don't have a choice. But if you have a choice, you should not do that. And so we picked Austin because Austin, I felt like, is a mix of like what a lot of great cities in America have. Sure. And then we lived in East Austin, and then we were like, we we bought a goat on Craigslist one day, uh, so just cool. fucking around, yeah. and. Uh, and then we were like, you know what? Our goat needs more space. Yeah. Uh, and so we, we moved out to the country. That's awesome. Yes. That is so cool, actually. It was nice, yeah. Yeah. Have an, I want to get a goat, dude. Yeah, Sell goats. Sell me a goat. Go, uh, I had more goat. I had three goats uh, and then uh, a pack of wild dogs uh, eviscerated two of them Whoa. three months ago. It was really? the worst fucking thing. Yeah. On the on farm? The ranch. On the yeah. ranch? Packs of wild dogs. That's... That's one one of the things you learn when you live in the country is is like people are animals. Like people just go, I don't want this dog anymore. Um, I can't just let it go here in the city where I live. So I'm going to drive 30 minutes out and then I'll just let it go. And then they come together in packs and they prey on animals. So that's fun. That was shit. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't have a goat to spare right now. Yeah, you discovered and and you... did you know that it was wild dog? Like, is there? They were still there when when my wife got home, and uh, one of the goats had like locked himself like in a little thing, so it it survived. Fuck. And the other two goats, the one that made us move out there, is no longer with us. Damn man, that sucks. Yeah, it was brutal. But that is the other thing you learn out there is just like death or slash life is much less precious mm-hmm. because like just things die all the time. Even if you take great care of your animals, yeah, they get eaten by dogs or your chicken gets its head ripped off by a raccoon or you know just whatever just yeah. stuff stuff dies stuff dies yeah and you're not really that different than the cow totally yeah yeah i mean you people we don't i i mean i i definitely suffer from this don't appreciate how quickly things can can go like can yes like it it really is i mean you know 
you could say that that's um, an example, of, like the the wild pack of dogs, and but like there that can happen to human beings, sure, too, in yeah. so many ways. We had we had, when we first moved out there, we we had these geese, and uh, we'd raised one since it was like really real little, and then we got some more, and like it got attacked by something, it was all cut up. We like took it to the vet. You know, and we spent like $500 getting it stitched up. It's like, this is our goose, you know? And then like three weeks later, it got totally eaten by something else. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was like watching the other geese not give a shit. Yeah. You know, there's like, there was five of us. Now there's four. That's life. Yeah. And you realize like, oh, this sort of feeling sorry for yourself, mourning, grieving. Not that these aren't things you should do, but you realize like that's a pretty human thing it's totally human and it's a kind of a a first world human thing yeah especially really sinking into it yes because like i think you know people some people have uh well everyone has a different relationship with loss and with grief and how they you know some people are a little i think extremely cold about things and i mean there's there's a a diagnosis for some of them but for people in the normal spectrum some people can kind of just process things and move on and then some people like really sink into a dark place with that stuff yeah and then you look at something like the animal world and like you know they're just like moving on yeah yeah oh uh, sorry this thing froze to death next to me yeah. and then now i'm up i'm hungry yeah, yeah. exactly gonna go eat yeah. yes it's totally different um oh i wanted to ask you this about the so you're doing four a series of four yeah. virtues they're, they're, they're called the cardinal virtues now that it's a Obviously, you know, it's a big success. You're a big success. And, and, and the, the books are, you go like, oh, cool. But I go back to like pitching this. Is that a, is that a difficult pitch to get uh, someone to be like, this is going to be a series of four books? So my first book was about marketing. I, I did this book on like sort of an expose of media in basically like fake news. Not mm-hmm. like Trump fake news, but real fake news. Your boy. Yeah. He offered you a job. Who? Trump. Didn't he offer you a mark? Like a, I a, did. Uh, not Trump, but uh, one of the cabinet secretaries. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, the worst, the worst, this is, this is something I think about. Okay. So um, the guy who gave Trump the idea for the wall, uh-huh. like just some, cause Trump's just a, an idiot and he's just surrounded <laughs> by random people who are like, Hey, you know, it'd be cool. Yeah. You know? And he's like, that's a good idea. He's like, bring in the, my pillow guy. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. yeah. So there's this guy, his name's Sam Nunberg. Uh-huh. He was just like, we should build a wall between the U S and Mexico. And Trump yeah. was like, I fucking love it. Right. Yeah, yeah. That guy's favorite book is trust me. I'm lying, which is your my book. book. Yeah. And he talks about ah. it. And you're just like, great. How am I going to get that off my, this conscience? guy? Yeah. He was also drunk live on the news once. Um, he's quite a, quite a character. I find it hard to believe. So, okay. So, so Sam loves that book. Yes. And then after you had... This is, this is the, the book came out 12 years ago. But, right. But but the, so my first book is about, mar- about marketing. And then so... But what I really wanted to write about was like the kinds of stuff that Robert gets to write about. Like big ideas, timeless stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I went to them with what became The Obstacles of the Way. And they were not excited. Not excited. Not at all. Okay. Because, um, I mean, it's like a terrible idea. It's like an obscure school of ancient philosophy Uh at a business imprint. Mm -hmm. And so they offered me less than half what I got for my first book. And I was like, set it up. You're like, good. Yeah. And then that book, that sold almost 2 million copies. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, so after that, then they were sort of all in on ancient philosophy. Okay. And so... I did three books 
I did three books on on Stoic philosophy. I did Obstacles the Way, Ego is the Enemy, and Stillness is the Key, which became kind of a series. Yeah. And then the Cardinal Virtue one was the first time that I pitched related books. But now you have the, the green light to like do stuff like that. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was still, it was still, I mean, virtue is like not a word people get excited about. Sure. So it wasn't. It's not exciting know. for a publisher to be like, oh, virtue? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know what is exciting? Almost 2 million copies. Then yes. they're like, what do you want to write about, man? <laughs> they, but that's what I think. If, I mean, I mean, I know you've experienced this. It's like when you, when you have bet on yourself yeah. and then you've proven people who doubted you wrong, yeah. then you have, you have like heat to kind of do what oh, yeah. you want to do. And you can do what you want to do. Yeah. For sure. It's a great, it's a great feeling to have. Yes. Um, there's a couple of things that like um, I wrote down from the book that like even like small ideas, I guess, or just uh, sentences. Um, but just the idea you write that discipline is freedom, you know, um, that like that is, and, and when you, when you're reading it, you kind of stop and you're like, oh yeah, the, the person who just indulges in everything that we're like led to believe that's who's having yes. a good time. Yes. That's the happiest guy. Sure. And that the disciplined guy who he's, he must be bored and miserable that he's going to bed yeah. at nine or whatever and getting up and doing his work. And then I don't know, just the way that you write it, make it, 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 it like lights you up and you go, Oh, right. The, the, the the truly the free one is the guy who actually adheres to his his uh his routine and his schedule and isn't just tempted and indulging in all these things whether it's food and sex and drugs like I don't know that really it's a it's it's touched upon a few times in the book but that really is a um a a big concept to embrace I think. Yeah, I mean, it's not just like, hey, if you work really hard, then one day you'll have like financial freedom and security to do whatever sure. you want. I, although that's also true. Yeah, it's more that like I think people think like routine, structure, limits. Like this is when I do this. This is when it. They think that that's limiting or constraining, but it's actually that that is gives you the creative freedom to fuck around and experiment and take risks. Yeah, you know, like if your life is a mess, you don't have the ability to be creative and chaotic in the work the way that you think that you do. Mm -hmm. Or like conversely, like um, I say no to lots of stuff. And then like what that means is I have like a calendar that's empty where I get to do the stuff that I, I want to do. That you want to do. Yeah. yeah. And so. And who, and the, but, but to the discipline too, it's like when you write something about who do you think is happier, you write something, yes. I'm paraphrasing here about who's happier, the guy that's like stuffing his fucking mouth yeah. to the, and, and, and it's sick or the person that actually knows when to say no. And, and is it, it basically is disciplined about how they conduct themselves. And it's like, oh yeah. I mean, when you read it in that way, it's one of those things where it's like a slow nod. You're like, yeah, of course that's who's happier. Well, it's funny because, so the rival of the Stoics was the Epicureans. This mm -hmm. is, these are the two schools in the ancient world. The Stoics are supposedly like very strict, have a lot of discipline. It's about hard work and virtue. And then the Epicureans, even then, but now the word Epicurean means like a lover of food, a lover of pleasure, a hedonist. Um, that's what the Epicureans are. That, that's the rival school. But the, even Epicurus, who Seneca quotes all the time, uh, he's saying that like basically any pleasure that has a hangover is not a pleasure. Yeah. Or anything taken to the point where you then regret some or all of it later, that has to be 
included in the calculation as to whether this was fun or good or not. Mm-hmm. Like you had an awesome night last night and then you wake up and the, the next day is awful because you feel terrible. You're throwing up all day. You have to apologize to people or, you know, your marriage falls apart. All that has to be included. Like you have to put that in the calculus yeah. as to whether this is actually Yeah, it's not pleasurable just, it was not. an awesome night. It's yes. like, well, we tell the full story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and likewise, like if discipline is hard and requires a certain amount of sacrifice, but then afterwards you're proud of yourself, afterwards you look yourself in the mirror, afterwards you can do what you want, like- that also has to be, oh, well, actually wasn't that hard right? because, hey, I, I, like, I get to coast on this for a yeah. long time. How you feel after either any of your choices has to be a, a part of the equation. Yes. And for, but for some reason, a lot of us don't. Well, I think the think mind, from an evolutionary standpoint, that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Like the, your, bo- your body, your genes want you to do certain things that are maybe good for your reproduction or what or your you know immediate gratification or benefit but then like it's like the consequences are someone else's problem but that someone else is just future you yeah and so i i think it makes sense like like the part of your like when you accomplish something and you go wow this is really cool but by the way it didn't actually make me feel happy or it didn't make my dad proud of me or any of the things that we sometimes tell ourselves like Mm -hmm. success is going to bring us like we think the external stuff's going to fix internal problems, yeah. right? Which it never does. Yeah. Um, the part of your brain that realizes that, like when you're getting the gold medal or getting the applause or cashing the check, the part of your brain that realizes that, that then immediately forgets it, you can see why that's good from like a evolutionary standpoint. Because it's like, if we ever actually learned that lesson, like as a species, we'd stop doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And so the the mind is really good at tricking us into like, okay, one Super Bowl is great, but like I think about Kevin Durant, like okay, it was great to win these rings with the with the Warriors, yeah, but like you won't really feel good about yourself unless you unless you do it in New York, which of course has been the biggest catastrophe like in the history of sports, yeah. That that's what keeps people well, what's over that mountain? Like, what's yeah. over that mountain? Like, so it makes sense. It's just, and it's good on a species level, but it's probably not good for you, the individual. Yeah, and that's a huge lesson that you learn. I mean, the, the about success is that, you know, I remember being a, like a broke comic and being like hearing about what comedians who sold out a club would make and yeah. i was like that's the fucking craziest that's thing all i need yeah and like that is so much money and i i wouldn't know what to do with myself like and also if i did do that i would feel happy yeah fulfilled people would respect me people who doubted me would learn their lesson you know like, like you go through like yeah. all the sure. things so like that would be the thing yeah then you get there and it happens, and you're like, oh, none of that happened. Also, they're like, well, now you can go do theaters. And you're yeah. like, oh, it's theaters. Sure. So then you go do theaters. Then you do theaters, and they're like, and you're suddenly your ad shows, and they're like, you can do arenas. Then you go do arenas. And and then, did you hear so and so did a stadium? And, and, and yeah. then and I got pitched a stadium thing, and I'm like, I don't even like I'm, I'm like, it's not that. Um, here's the thing. It's better. I want to be honest about it. It's better than being broke sure. and not being successful. Like, sure. So getting to a level of success is better than, ha- I think, than having none, let's say, right? Of course. 
but it does not solve any of those feelings inside of you. It yeah. does not fulfill you. It does. You don't go, I'm now complete. I am now happy. Everything like all the things that you thought that you would feel, they just, they just don't happen, you know? And I've heard people who have, I'm sure you've heard the stories of people who have reached like these unimaginable levels yeah. of success who I never heard, like it did it. They go, there's I'm nothing good. up here. <laughs> yeah, they right. always say they're like, there's just nothing here. Yeah. They right. look around and they're like, no, just same thing. And it would be wonderful if you could learn that from other people, but you, you can't. can't. And okay. that kind of sucks. But to me, it's, it's, um, well, I remember, I remember when I dropped out of college, I, I got this job as an assistant at a talent agency and, uh, I, it was 30 grand. That's what I got paid. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, what am I going to do with all this money? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, so like, I try to remember that, like whenever I get paid yeah. for stuff, it's yeah. like $30,000 was once an obscene amount of money to you. You could have your own apartment. You could buy any book that you wanted when you wanted it. You could eat it. Carl's Jr. or whatever, yeah. like life was good, sure. you know? Um, and so like keeping that perspective is really important. But I, but I think also where I've gotten to is like, okay, so you've done the things, uh, whatever the, the heights of your profession are, like in mine, it's like, where have you hit on the bestseller list? Or mm-hmm. if you sold a certain number of copies or just even, like, my dream was like, could I publish one book? Like one real book. Yeah. I've done that 15 times basically. Jesus so it's man. like, you've done it. So then to me, it becomes can you enjoy doing it? That, right. that, that would be the form of success but that a lot of people have never let had. Let me ask you this, because that expression is said over and over. They're like, and people who are further along than you and yeah. older than you, they'll go, don't forget to enjoy it. Yeah. What does enjoy it mean, though? Well, why don't we just start with not fucking hating it while you're doing it, right? Like there's, okay. a, there's a expression, painters like painting, writers like having written. Right. Like being done with it is nice, but doing it is torturous. Mm -hmm. And so like part of it for me is, is, does it act, can you, can you do it really well and not hate it while you're doing it? Like, can you enjoy, Hey, today I got a thousand words in. I think I put some things together that have never been put together before. And that was pleasurable and that was good. But part of the way I, I I don't just think like, Hey, you should enjoy yourself. Like that cliche. I think about it as, one of the stoic exercises is memento mori, like meditating on your mortality. And I'm what I came to think is like, I could die before this book comes out. Obviously, this was heightened a little bit in the early days of the pandemic when nobody knew anything. But just think about it. It's like you could be uh, almost done with a special or a book or a yeah. project, and then you could get hit by a bus, yeah. right? So, so like the work that you're putting in can't be predicated on only having been worthwhile if you live to see it come out and it does well. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you, so, so first off you're like, okay, uh, I'm not going to predicate it on, on whether it does well or not. I'm just going to be proud of it. And then you're like, actually what's not in my control is even whether I see it complete. So what is in my control right in this moment, it's like, what is the contribution that I make today? And so I think about it on that level. Like, did I have, Fun is a shitty word, I guess. But like, did I, was today an enjoyable, worthwhile, contributive bit of work? And like, that's the building block that I try to work on as opposed to like, this is horrible and I hate it and my personal life's a mess, but it will all be worth it when 18 months from now, X happens. Right. 
then it's over. And then, then I'll look back on all these times where I was cursing yeah. every day about this bullshit I have to go yeah. through. Yeah. Okay. That is I t- good. I talked to um, I, it's in the afterword of the book, but um, Manu Ginobili is, lives in San Antonio. He, he, he and I are friends and he, he was, we were having lunch one day at my bookstore and he was saying like that they lost, he lost, uh, basically he went up for a rebound. Chris Bosch gets it. They lose in the NBA finals to the heat. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I've never been less happy than when we lost the NBA finals. And then he was like, but also like my whole dream was to like play in the NBA finals. Like that yeah. sucks that like being able to enjoy being in the NBA finals is predicated on whether we win or lose. Yeah. That's like, because what if the team is bad or what if sure. you blow out your knee or any number of things? And so to me, it's like, it was just realizing like the way to do the work is to be as in the, so the Stoics have this phrase, you said it's better to be like um, rich and successful than not rich and successful. Yeah. They have this phrase, um, they say like, basically everything that's not in your control is an indifferent, not indifference, but is it indifferent, mm-hmm. meaning it's not up to you, so it doesn't matter. But they said there's also such things as preferred indifference. So like your height is not in your control, but like, it's better to be tall than short, right? Sure. Or it's better It's better for people to love the special than hate the special. Yeah. And so if you're going to have one, you would. if you could choose, you would choose one. But getting to a place where you actually are pretty indifferent to it. Like, you're like, I love it. I think it's really good. I enjoy doing it. So it's successful bef- the day before it premieres. Yeah. And then when it does premiere... Obviously, you want to be number one and you want to hit all the benchmarks and yeah. win all the prizes. But like that's extra on top of the other things that were in your control. That is true because the, the times, yeah, that's a great point. The times that I've been like, I love, I'm proud of this. Yeah. That feels like a success already. But before anybody, like if I go, I, I'm down, I dig this. This yeah. is good. That feeling is actually better. It's a better feeling than the other person telling me that was good. It's like, yeah, I know. I, yeah. I love this thing. In New Orleans, they have a word lanyap, mm-hmm. which means like the 13th donut. Mm-hmm. It's just the extra. Like you didn't, you don't control it. Um, it doesn't, it's not predictable, but like when you get it, you're like, fuck. Yeah. That's great. That's pretty good. And yeah. that, that's kind of like, like discipline sold fastest of any of my books, um, which was not at all expected. Um, but also like, I feel like I did work in that. Is your beer fridge feeling a little empty? DoorDash is your door to beer without the run. Whatever drink you're in the mood for, they've got you. Order your alcohol with DoorDash today and drink in the savings. Use code BEARS24 to get 25% off, up to $15 value on a $35 minimum subtotal on your next alcohol order for eligible users only. I mean, there's like sometimes you just don't want to leave. That's me. Once we're at a spot and we're hanging out, I just don't want to leave. And now you don't have to. The alcohol selection on DoorDash is top shelf. Beer, wine, mixers, mocktails, and more can be delivered straight to your door. Save up to 25%, up to $15 value when you spend $35 or more with code BEARS24. So whether you're grabbing drinks for an event or staying in for the night, DoorDash is here to help you have a great evening any evening. Terms apply, must be 21 or older to order alcohol, drink responsibly, delivery and promotions available only in select markets. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It was like, a, it was a pleasant surprise when I found out because I didn't, I didn't even really like check. Really? Like, yeah, I, I, I feel like on my first, I've said this before, but I feel like on my first book, it was like, um, especially because I felt like I had things to prove, especially to like my parents and stuff like that. It was like 10%, hey, like, I can't believe I did this thing that I said I was going to do that like I've dreamed of doing. And that's like pretty cool. And then I was 90% like, what were the first week sales? Yeah. You know? And then in publishing, the bestseller lists are not actually exclusively based on sales. It'd be like if the Netflix al- algorithm was like most watched, but then also we have like a diversity criteria on top of that. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, fuck, what? Yeah. Like, yeah. So you can earn it and not get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I was 90% on that. And um, I got snubbed for some, I made one, um, which is cool. But like, I realized that that was like a kind of a precarious place to be. And I feel like I've, I think if I'm honest, it's probably more like 80, 20, but I've tried to f- get more like 90, 10. Yeah. Like 90, I'm good. I did what I set out to do. Um, I don't have anything to prove. And 10% like. What are the sales? What, yeah. 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 I remember. Tell I, me what, call me when they're good. I didn't, you know? I didn't know anything about how the publishing world worked. Nothing. Yeah. And, you know, I do whatever the book, turn it in and there's this whole, pre- and then like, are oh, you doing some press and then it's out. And then I'm like, so when do we find out about the, and they're like, Oh, whatever. Next yeah. week, next yeah. Tuesday, I think it's yeah. a Tuesday. It's like a hellish limbo week. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So I was at a store, I was in a store and, um, I, I was, I was trying something on in the dressing room. And when I, yeah, I give it to the salesperson, I pick up my phone and it's like, six missed calls yeah i was like oh shit so i i call back and they're like all right you ready are you sitting down i was like no i'm standing up i'm walking around the store (laughs) (laughs) they're like all right you're you're gonna debut at number two on the on the new york times bestseller list and i was like oh great and they're like this is fucking great i go yeah who's number one yeah and they're like oh it's this guy he's on fox uh it's like i forget what the name of the book was but they're like don't forget, you know, there's like, um, next to his book, there's a, like a cross. A yeah. And they're like, it, the book dagger. It, it implies that it is a, a Christian or something like it that. It just means like group spot, lots of copies of the books. And I was like, well, if he's, he's doing the Christian thing, it really means that Jesus is number one, not yes. me. So, and I can accept that. I can accept Jesus being number one, you know? I, I have two like that. So the, when the obstacles away came out, it hit no bestseller lists. Um, really? None. I think it was, uh, we eventually traced it back many years later. It was like categorized incorrectly or whatever, but it, it, when it came out, it did okay. Um, it hit number one, six years after it came out. Um, six years. Six years. Um, and I was, uh, mowing my lawn and my agent called and was like, you hit number one. Like it took six years. Congratulations. And then I was like, now to finish mowing the lawn, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, which yeah. is really nice. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was like, okay, you know, chop wood, carry water kind of thing. And then um, the first time I hit number one, like with a debut, still this is the key hit number one uh, on New York Times, which is again, sort of a surprise. I'd never hit, I'd actually, I'd sold like 
literally millions of books and never hit the New York Times list. That's crazy. It was nuts. Um, so I finally hit it. I didn't know if I was like banned for life or I'd done something or whatever. So it finally hits number one. It's really cool. Proud of it. And then again, sort of a, I think a stoic lesson is like the next week, uh, Donald Trump Jr. had the same spot and had like very visibly like cheated. Like they, they, they'd use these like, they, they'd use these like campaign funds to like buy tons of books, all these <laughs> like nonprofit funds. That doesn't seem like it. something they would do. Of course, right. Always on the up and up. And then you're just like, oh yeah, like this is when you, you think this thing that it's not only you think it's going to do something for you, like to get, yeah, I think it was triggered maybe. It was just, nice. Bullshit book. Um, anyways, uh, you, th- you think it's like, you think it's not only going to do something for you. Yeah. You think it's like objectively important or, and then yeah. you're like, think about how many dipshits have gotten into Harvard, right? Yeah. Or like just how many awful books or movies or whatever have hit number one. Yeah. And you realize like, oh yeah, this is all nonsense. Like, Fucking morons in Mensa that you meet and you're like, you? <laughs> fucking toolbox yeah so if you're if you're if you're associating your identity with a thing the world has a really great way of reminding you quite quickly after just how utterly meaningless meaningless that thing is totally yeah which is good yeah that is it's good to to come to that realization yeah but again no one can you you really don't learn it from other people yeah i don't think you you have to one lesson you touched on this for a second and i wrote it i actually had it written down and it's something too that like you hear it your whole life and you hear it the busier you get and the more successful you get, you're given, you're, it's like, it's more expected, you're given permission. But I think it's important that people recognize that this is something that we can all do, which is to say no. Yes. Um, because what happens is if you become successful, then it's, uh, it's like an of course, like if you're like, no, people are like, well, I understand you're yeah. a very successful person. Right. Yeah. But what I would say is that, yeah, your level of success shouldn't dictate no. your yeses and nos to things. And that owning your owning saying no is really, first of all, it's something you have to de- almost develop as a skill set. Yeah. But you realize what it does is that it, it allows you to live the way you want to live yeah. and to make choices you want to make. And that you you can get to a point where, you know, people will respect your your no. Um, that, that yes. you own your time. You don't have, it could, you can be the secretary and be like, no, yeah. not doing that. And people are like, oh, all right. You well, know. also for me, it was helpful to realize that a, a, a no is also a yes. Mm-hmm. And that a yes is also a no. So like when you're saying, yeah, sure. I'll do X, Y, or Z. Cause someone asked and you don't want to be rude or you don't like confrontation. Like you're just setting up a different confrontation, usually at home. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I said yes to do something that I didn't really want to do that I don't have to do. It's not important because I'm insecure or, you know, there's never enough. Mm-hmm. And then like your three-year-old's like, where's dad? Yeah. You know, like you said no to that. Per- like, you're like, I don't want to be rude. Right. But then you were super rude to the person that cares about you the most in the right. world that you by nature of bringing them into the world, promise them all of your time. And he'd probably far prefer spending time with than yes. the person you said yes to. Yes. Yeah. There's a Marcus Aurelius quote in Meditations where he goes, are you afraid of death because you won't be able to do this anymore? And I think about that like whenever I'm doing like fucking bullshit mm-hmm. that I got guilted into doing yeah. or I was doing, and I'm like, this is like the meaning of life. Like this yeah. dumb event I'm at or this like, dinner party that I wish would be over soon. COVID was helpful for me there too, because it was like, is this worth getting COVID for? Sure. 
or giving is this worth giving my family COVID for? Because like I had to do this podcast that like yeah. I could have just said no to or done yeah. remotely or well, whatever. Thanks for doing it. Of man. course. Um, no, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah, of when course. It's like when it was when it was like when the stakes were made like very clear, I, it was helpful to me to see how bad I was at doing it. Yeah. And then like have you found like the more successful you are, the less time you have to do the thing that made you successful in the first place? Yeah, a lot of times. Yeah, a lot of times. I mean, it's. I mean, there's. It's. I've toured. I've just been on this absolutely insane tour. I mean, really. I read really, you said you overcommitted a little bit. <laughs> a little. So so much. But I, I mean, but here's the thing. I do feel like I've learned. Sure. Because of this, one of those things where you go. The funny thing is, I was giving people advice that I myself wasn't taking. Right. Right. Like right. I was, I was telling like younger comics, like you don't have to like schedule your yeah. tour life this way. And then I would do the opposite of yeah. the advice that I was giving to people. So yeah, yeah. I feel like I, I, I learned my lesson, but yes, I can get into a place where I'm doing so many things and I feel like I have no time left. And then it's like, Oh yeah, I got to find a stage somewhere to get on or, you know, like I got to find time to, um, and yeah, and it comes from overcommitting. I do feel like also that a reason I said it's a skill set to say no is that there was a time where I was so insecure about yeah. saying no. And like, I would just didn't want to say no. I didn't feel like I could say no, you know, someone's not going to like me if I say no. And then, you know, it takes just time and life and you realize that like you can. And like, I, I fucking love saying no. Do you ever say you ever at something and someone's like, why are you here? And you're like, yeah, why am I here? Oh, yeah. Like when they're like, this is not a thing you should have said. Like they, they were yeah. excited to be there, but yeah. they were like, you should, this is like, <laughs> of course. What are you, and then that's like always super, like I, I, that's super helpful. I wish people would do that for each other more. Yeah. Like, you're like, this was, you could have said no to this. You did yeah. not, you did not need. Uh, and then the other thing is we're super good at judging other people for saying yes to stuff. Like what's the, what's that Saudi Arabia golf league? Um, golf league. Yeah. The, the super expensive golf league that they're paying all those people like hundreds of millions of dollars to. Um. Uh, oh, yeah. is it live or LIV? I never, but anyways, all these golfers are getting paid like hundreds of millions of dollars. Hundreds of millions. To leave the PGA Tour to pay, play for this basically corrupt uh, Saudi Arabian golf league. Is this a, 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 in, in line with like their soccer thing too? Because they're paying yeah. crazy yeah. They're money. just throwing, it's, it's called sports washing um, mm -hmm. where you basically throw tons of money to get like big names to sort of whatever. So like I, I remember looking at this and then, um, uh, then I got an offer to like go speak in some similar country for like 50 bucks, you know? And yeah. I was like, should I do it? And I was like, wait, <laughs> you know, like, so it's so easy. Yeah. It's so easy to judge, like, or we, we look at politicians and like, they should throw away their career by speaking out on this issue. And yeah. then meanwhile, like, you know, your boss is like cooking the books and yeah. you're just like, well, it's a job. It's you a job. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's very easy to say people should draw like clear stands or say no to stuff totally and then it's really fucking hard to actually do it and you yeah. have to build it as a muscle and no is definitely a muscle it's a muscle yeah it really is it's something that the it takes time it takes and and you it's it's like um i i think it's the same as communication skills like in other words let's talk about this thing like hey man you upset me earlier when yeah. you said that you don't just do, like people don't yes. just do that yeah that's yeah, something right. that takes a long because you're terrified to do that by yes. nature you're terrified yes. to do that you know and then if you work at it little by little you get to a point 
where if you're paying attention and you you care about not feeling like because for me I don't want to feel the um, that unease of not bringing it up. Yes, that's what got me to having communication, sure. developing some communication skills. Is that I don't want to just sit with that inside of me. So little by little, I got to the point where I'm like, all right, Ryan, you said that I'm going to talk to you about that. Now. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, sure. But that's kind of similar to no to me is like you have to sure. develop it. Yeah, that's kind of like an obstacle is a way thing for me where it's like, OK, I got to fire this person. Like this, these are the worst conversations. Or right. you have to be like, hey, like you really let me down or X, Y. You have to have yeah. a, and I go like those conversations are super hard. But the reason they're super hard is because they're rare. Yeah. And which is good, yeah. but like now I have to do it. And so it's practice for doing that thing. Yeah, I, I try to think about it as like, there's going to be some pivotal moment in my life in the future where I have to like fire someone or I have to preemptively like break something up that's going well and it's going to be hard, it's going to be expensive. And like by doing it here in this relatively low stakes thing, by being like, by telling this, I don't know, like AC tech who was late for the third time that like, I'm going to go with another company, yeah. you know, like you're just getting practice doing that thing. And so it's actually not bad that it's happened. Yeah. You wouldn't have chosen for it to happen, but it did happen. And now like you have reps doing a thing that you really can't get reps in life doing anything else. Yeah. I remember firing somebody, a low, kind of like you said, like a low stakes thing where they were, it was like kind of what you said, like late for like the third or fourth time coming to my house and they called me or texted me like I'm gonna be like late to this thing or did they call all I remember is that I I was like okay and then I yeah they called and I hung up and I just sat there for a minute I was like what are you doing like, yeah and then I called them back don't come I was like yeah don't come yeah and she was like what and I was like don't yeah what are you talking about like we had this time she was like no the time I go no yeah you know the time I, I don't know what you're yeah. Well, you know, the traffic. I was like, this this is a city with traffic. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, and, but I felt so much better. Yeah. But there was a long, there was basically in the 40 years before that conversation, yeah. I would have taken that probably over and over. It just, it took a while. Yeah. And now you're a person who's had that conversation one time. Yeah. And then the next time you have to do it, you, you're like, you're like, okay, this is like when I had to do it with so-and-so. Yeah. And it's like a little bit better. And yeah. you, you just build the muscle of being able to, it's like, I mean, obviously you go on stage a lot. I have to like do talks, but it's like people are like, oh, stage fright. And it's like, I just am on the stage a lot. Yeah. Like the only reason it's l weir less weird for me than it is for you is because I've done it a lot of times. It. Yeah. And I, and the only way to do that is to do it a lot of times. The people talk, I've brought up what con like confidence as a, as a comedian, at least yeah. sometimes people go, you know, Oh, this guy's so confident. Be like a young guy that has like a lot of swag. And I'm like, yeah, that's not real. That's ego. Yeah, that's not real confidence. Yeah. Real confidence, you you do not develop without tons of reps. That's in, in what we do and in, in, in sure. getting on stage. There's no such thing as like owning the stage, like your eighth time on stage. Yeah. You can look like it. You can fake it. Yeah, you can fake it. Yeah. But that real control of like the person just goes up there like it's nothing. That person's been on stage like 10, 15,000 times. Like that is, that's so many times that it's, it's a grounded, it's a true confidence. Sure. It's not, you can't, doesn't matter how, how you walk out there and what you yeah. do. Like if, if, if you don't have the reps, you don't actually have that many, that much confidence. 
Yeah, I've said, um, I don't believe in myself. I have evidence. Mm-hmm. And like you acquire evidence. Yeah. And that, it's actually the same with writing too. Like when people people think writer's block is a thing. Yeah. And um, it's like, no, you just don't have the material. Like you haven't done the work to have the idea of what you're going to say. Like uh, is, there's not this, like if you're like, oh, I'm not, not feeling confident today. That's yeah. not a thing. Like yeah. the confidence is based on if you've done it 15,000 times, yes or no. Yeah. Like you can not feel excited, but like, the confidence is based on having done it a lot of times. And writer's block is that like you want to write, but you have not done the work that goes into writing. And then you're wanting the the last stage without the, the previous stages. Yeah. And so the lesson there to that person is like, you got you haven't done the Just work. Just go yet. read a bunch of books yeah. or like think about it. Like you don't have to force writing to it. There's there's things you can do that will contribute to the project you're working on. Yeah. It's just not performance this, part of it this feels to me like uh, like sort of connected to the uh, um the just do it now uh, part of the because nothing makes me uh, it makes me crazy at this point where you meet somebody who's like um yeah i have a bunch of uh stand-up material written i just haven't gotten on stage and i'm yeah. like okay sure so then you haven't done it yeah and they're like yeah but i have like journals full i'm like all sure. right Sure. And they're like, yeah, I just, you know, they're wait, like they're waiting. I'm just yeah. waiting for like the, and you're like, do you think this day will just, the sun's going to shine differently that morning? And you're going to go, this is the stage day. Yes. Like you're just, you still haven't done it. Yes. So like if you're, it's like, and I, I, this is coming from something I would fully admit to, I can think of being in those moments too. Sure. And what it is, is you're consumed by fear usually, yeah. you know? I mean, I remember, man, I remember I, I had this, uh, I went to a, an, uh, an agent as a, I wanted to audition to be for them to represent me. This is before I moved to LA. Okay. So I was in Carolina, North Carolina. I go to Charlotte and, and the lady was like, what have you done? Like, what have you, what's your resume like? Yeah. And I was like, just these things in college. Yeah. And she's like, well, we represent people that have done this, this and that. And I had like the monologue ready to do. And she was like, so I mean, like you haven't done any of, those like we we represent people who have done yeah. a bunch of things, and I was like, yeah, no, I haven't. And she was like, okay. And then I just was like, all right, I guess I should. At least, and I just left. <laughs> I just left and yeah. went. And I was, but you you justify it to you spin it to yourself, yeah. right? I can look back on it twenty some years later and go, I was just terrified. Yeah. In that moment, and went along with her judgment instead of being like, I'll just show you what I can do. Yeah. I was like, I'll just leave. You know, right. And then now a few months later, I was in L.A. Yeah. and I was auditioning yeah. finally and, and, and get I got an agent. But in that moment with her and Charlotte, I was like, all right, I'll just I'll just not do it. Well, I, like in publishing, what it is, is like people think the book is going to be their first thing. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, I've never published anything, even though you can publish an unlimited amount of stuff for free on the Internet. Yeah, I've never done that, even though you can make a great living writing for newspapers and magazines and websites. Yeah. I've never done that. My first thing should be the hardest, most exclusive of the things, Yeah, which is like get in advance, be one of 50 titles that a major publisher puts out. I deserve one of those spots because yeah. my idea is so good. And the publisher's like, may not even disagree that your idea is good. Your idea could be fucking great. Yeah. And you could actually be a very good writer. But their question, the question in publishing is like, what's your platform? They're like, we're not going to tell everyone about this. Yeah. Like they're like, who are the fans that are buying this thing? Like sure. when it comes out and no one's ever heard of this person before, who, 
why would it sell more than six copies? And, yeah. and so people don't, people don't want to do, it's not even just like the work on the specific project, but they don't want to do the work of like, Hey, I've been writing on even social media every day for six years. And I have a thousand fans or 10,000 fans or a million sure. fans. Like you, you have to do the work of the thing first. And it's funny now, cause like when I went to my publisher, I was like, I want to write about obscure, you know, angel philosophy. They were like, Oh, you know, but now other people will, now it's a niche. Like people, yeah. people can, people can write a proposal and go look at what Ryan's books have sold. You mm -hmm. should buy mine. And then those books come out and they sell like 12 copies because no one has heard of that person. Right. Like they, they think that the books were successful because of the ideas in them. And obviously that contributed to it. That's what word of mouth is. But like, no, the reason the book sold is that I sold every single one of those books. Yeah. Like I personally sold tens of thousands of those books to individual people by the work that I did. And that's what built an audience that then consumes. And they're like, but people are like, I don't want to do that, dude. Yeah. yeah no, they're like, yeah. I just, I should just have a good idea. Yeah. And then you lots of people a, should hear about you it. You should give me a few million dollars. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Yeah, that's that's the um, that's not getting started with it. That was attached to the perfectionism. Yes, um, and that's a that is a big. It, I feel like I mean it can apply to a lot of things, but in the arts, it's a big one. Yes. you know, it's like there's you meet so many people like I want to direct, and you're like, well, I mean, like there's cameras, and you yeah. can get your crew to get like ah, I'm just waiting for the. They want to. They want to start with like a Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings level yeah. first movie. Then like, that's my, that's my idea. That's where I am. Yeah. That's what I get. And it's not, that's not how it works at all. Um, I don't know if you ever talk about this, but I just, I, I started by telling you that, you know, I enjoy your, um, Instagram stuff. Yeah. And I realized just recently that I was like, man, what am I doing following 2000 accounts? You know? Oh sure. Um, That's a so lot, I guess. I, well, I start. I started to do this thing where I'm unfollowing accounts every day. Oh, um, and you know what? I it feels the same thing, like it, the same emotions to go through, like cleaning out a closet or a desk. You know, where you're yeah. like so, sometimes like I've gone through a closet where you like you get rid, and then you're like I'm done with this, dude. Yeah. I can't do, like you know. I, I spend yeah. like half an hour doing it, and I'm like. Here's 20 shirts. I'm getting rid of them out of my closet, but I'm done with this yeah. for the day. It's the same like emotional toll. Interesting. Because I realized that I only want to follow either people I know, care about, love, respect, uh, fields of, you know, photography, nature, like comedy people. And then something that either, you know, has some like fulfillment, something rewarding to me. And then I'm like going, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm following. Like, what did I hit follow on? Who's Reb J26? Like, I don't know what this is. So I'll, I'll go through. Do you unfollow through. or you mute? I unfollow. Interesting. Yeah. I, I would mute somebody. Here's all mute. Like a comic who's a douchebag, but I got to be like, hey, you're pretty good. Yeah, like yeah. here, I'll mute that yeah. guy. But like. Where you're like, I don't want your energy in my life, but I also don't want you're you to think that you're not in my life yeah, that's yeah. All, also bad energy yeah exactly yeah. i don't yeah. want you to think it's not retribution or yeah. anything i just um yeah there's like this you know in this you, we, we are actually this really small kind of fraternity so yeah. you're like uh, but no for like for an account that i'm like i don't even know who this person is you know yeah i'm like i'm just unfollowing yeah. this i don't want to follow this many accounts because i actually read this thing a while back and i obviously didn't follow it then which is that you know if you follow like over a certain amount of accounts, 
then every time you like hit a refresh, it's a new thing, right? But there's so many of them are sure. like you're disconnected to. You're like I, like like I'm saying, you don't know what this is. Sure. You know? And but if you limit it, then it's like people you know, people you care about, things you care about, and you're like, oh, that, but that it also is not endless. You'll be like, I saw I saw Ryan's post, I saw sure. this post, and then you're like. I'm done with that. If you open it, it's not going to be new again. So there's not an unlimited amount there's of content an, that you could get. Yeah. That also makes sense. And the, and so I did that. And the other thing that I've been uh, I've been trying to embark on is this thing about um, I'm trying to like not be a. This is my own discipline. Uh, I like doing like diff, try different yeah. disciplines, right? So we've done like sober October with yeah. with friends, and you know, like I I work out almost every day. Um, and so, like, there's different disciplines. So, I'm trying to not be a consumer uh, uh, for a month. Not buy of, anything, uh, other than like you know your your necessities, sure, right? Sure. But just like not because I realize that um, being able to just like buy what you want when sure. you want, it's like I don't know. It just feels kind of. Do you also just get a lot of free shit in the mail? Oh, tons. That's yeah. like that is, I think, a first world problem that. I haven't gotten a lot of advice on, but it's fucking weird. Yeah. Cause like stuff just comes yeah. and then you feel bad throwing it away. Yeah. And then you could give most of it away. But then also like, if you're someone's like, that's cool. I would like that. And then you're just like, wow, I have a lot of fucking battery packs for my phone or what, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like all this nonsense and that you get. Dude, people send me hats and shirts yeah. and yeah. sweatshirts and swag. And like, have you tried this coffee and this thing and this, yeah. and I'm like, and yeah, it just builds and builds and builds. And it's all sitting there, and then it just makes it look like you're a mess. Yeah, like, this is all free shit. Yeah, but also, like, so you get that on top of the fact that I feel like you can also just buy whatever you want. They can buy things. Yeah, right. And there's a part of that that feels good. You're like, I really, I want this. Is cool. Sure. I want this. But I also feel like it's sometimes just good to deny yourself the thing you want in that moment. It's like, you know sure. what? I'm gonna instead of going like, I want this. I'm gonna get it right now. Why don't I give it a month and be like, do That's I still a muscle? Sure. Think about. Yeah. Do I still want that thing? Or was that just a passing moment mm. of like walking through a store and being like, I want that, I'll get it. That's like the delayed gratification muscle. Yes. You know, like the marshmallow test? The marshmallow test. They no. do this test. That it's probably, it, it makes like intuitive sense how much it's based on the science. But basically they're like, do you want one marshmallow right now? Or do you want two marshmallows in 15 minutes? Oh yeah. And if you're someone who can be like, I'll take two in 15 minutes, yeah. you have the ability to delay gratification. Yeah. But like kids usually don't. Yeah. Because they like they don't believe you usually. They, don't they walk out of the room for that one with yeah, kids and they yeah. leave the one in front of them? Yeah, it's they like see a if you three eat it right year old now. who's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just fucking snags it. For me on the social media thing, um, my all my accounts are on my wife's phone. No, yeah. So, so like I don't, I can't check it, and so like. I can only get like, you know what I mean? And then she's like, she's like, give me my phone back, you know? And so, uh, it, for, it prevents me from spending like, I'm never on there. And I'm like, I'm so glad I even, even, even that, like even having it on on her phone, she'd be like, are you trapped in like a a scrolling cycle? And I'll be like, yeah. She'd be like, just give me my phone back. And then I just, I like physically cannot check it most of the day because we're not together most of the day yeah and then so i like little things like that also that's a really good one so then when i'm on i don't really care it's like this is like my 20 minutes that i'm gonna do it or whatever but like i'm just not sucked into it yeah there's there's those that can be a real rabbit hole and then you can get into the 
like the triangle of them, you know, you're like uh, Instagram. Oh, sure. And you're like, oh, YouTube. And yes. you watch and YouTube, you can just lose yourself in video. And well, video. Especially with the shorts on YouTube. Yeah. You, so like, they figured that I, out. I only have YouTube kids on my phone, uh-huh. which oh, is cool. only garbage, yeah. you know, for, for them, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I try, I try it. Like, it's like self-control is one thing, but also you could just have self-control that doesn't put yourself in situations where self-control is required. Mm-hmm. Like if you physically cannot access it, you're going to be more disciplined. Yeah. Um, so I think about that. Yeah. Too. It's like if you don't go to the bar or the club, you're not going to have any of the issues that come up there. Yeah. Like when the pandemic happened and like you couldn't do stuff, like I was much better at saying no. Sure. You know, because yeah. I wasn't, yeah. I couldn't, I you know, I'm like, yeah. fuck, I'd like that. I don't want to die. So I can't go. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like people weren't asking you to do stuff. No. So you're like, I'm so like, you're like, look how disciplined I am about my routine and my structure. I'm working all the time. And you're like, oh yeah, I had time. Cause I couldn't go do random bullshit. Um, one other thing. So okay. you've, you, you kind of motivated me in a way with this too, just by following your, just by following your goddamn, um, Instagram accounts is that you kind of got me excited about reading Oh, um, where like, I felt like there was a time in my life where I was reading a decent, I mean, I wasn't ever like a hardcore reader, but the, the enthusiasm you have for reading is, um, I mean, obviously I know you have a bookstore. I brought you some uh, books from my bookstore. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, you dude. want them? Yes. Can I, can I, can I ask, can I tell you, I want to know if yeah. you brought this Yeah. just from the reading the post a few days ago. Uh, I really want to read that tiger book. Oh, that um, book is very good. Uh, I didn't bring it because I, I actually kind of assumed. You know, um, it, that is like one of the greatest. I have a, a book like that, I think yeah, you like, but okay. that is one of the greatest nonfiction leave books. This stu- leave, leave this stuff up for a second. Um, so were you, all, obviously, I mean, it's clear that you consume information and yeah. you're a great writer. Do you always, from, from when you're, let's say, 19 and you're asking Drew about what to read, are you a heavy reader this all this time? I was like, uh, from like a kid, I was a heavy reader, yeah. but like to my parents, it's not no fault of my parents, but like I just didn't know what good books were. Yeah. So I would just read anything. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean that in a snooty sense. I just mean like, I just thought all books were like, you know, Clive yeah. Cussler novels or something, yeah. you know, like I just thought they were all like Costco dad books. Like yeah. that's, that was like the height that I got the idea that it was like literature or, you know, great nonfiction books that didn't happen until later. Um, but yeah, I just, I just love, I just love reading. Yeah. Um, here you want to see what I got? Yeah. Let's see what we wrote. Uh, all right. This is the kid's one. Do you know Steve Rinella? Is uh, he's the hunter? Yeah. He's on Rogan a bunch of times. Yes. yes. That's a, uh, that's like one of the best parenting books I've read in a really long time. Really? It's about like, it's outdoor kids in an inside world. Like how do you raise kids that are self-sufficient and okay. do stuff and aren't, he, he's like, you want to raise a kid that doesn't say ew a lot. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. they're not grossed out by things in the world. Do you know what my kids ask for every night? What? Will you tell us a poop story? There you go. There you and go. I'm like, what? Where does and that come like, from? Why are they like, obsessed with Tell that? us like a story where you had diarrhea. And I'm like, Okay. And then I tell him a story and I am killing like I am doing one of sure. the best bits of my life. And I was like, and I had so much diarrhea. It made me, I was, felt sick smelling it. And then they're like, oh man, <laughs> they're like, God. And he's like, has trouble breathing. He's like, that's the funniest shit I've ever heard in my life. I'm like, all right, go to bed guys. I, I took another, I, I was thinking of you the other day because I watched, I saw this video from you a long time ago where you talked about how you taught your kids, uh, 
the wrong curse words. Like yeah, you, taught, yeah, you told yeah. them that these were like words Darn they could it. not say. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we did that. Like they know all the actual curse words also, yeah, unfortunately. Sure. Yeah. But like, like two days ago, my son like dropped something and he goes, fiddlesticks, you know? And it yeah. was like so great. Well, our kids, I mean, at home, all, like all the time I'm like, Hey man, you got to stop. You can't talk like yeah. that. But I, saw one of the teachers and I was like, how's a language? And they're like, language. I'm like, does he curse? And they're like, never. I'm like, never so curse. The so like they figured out yeah. like this, because at home I'm like, you, get, you know, I don't throw a, t- I'm just like, sure. I don't want you saying that. And yeah. they're like, all right. And then they're like, God damn it. I'm like, hey man, <laughs> like stop saying that, you know? We try to say there's actually no such thing as bad words. Yeah. There's just some context where people don't like it if you say certain words. Yeah. Some context. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Sure. Um, all right. This is uh, this is the sun. This is, I think, the best novel about Texas that I've read in a long Whoa. time. Oh, uh, it's also an AMC series. But this guy lives in Austin. Uh, really, it's very good. Part of it's based in Bastrop, where my bookstore is. But really good book. Um, let's see what else I got. Oh, this is a leather edition of Meditations. Oh, this is the translation you. that I got when Doctor Drew introduced me, Dude. Um, which I bought the rights for and then published. Really? Um, yeah. So I think I like that one. That's let's, very cool. Let's see what else I got. Uh, have you read the Rick Rubin book, the creativity one? I just got it. Okay. It was given to me as a All right. gift. All right, you can give that one away. That one's I'll throw really in the good. trash. Uh, All right. <laughs> please. Uh, this one's really good. This is Admiral Stavridis. He's Jesus. former naval, uh, or the head of NATO. And it's like stories of people who like took huge, risky, big decisions, like life or death decisions that, like that. hung on everything. Uh-huh. That one's really good. What's the last one I got. Is there... Oh. This is my next one. This is the Daily Dad. Oh, shit. That doesn't come out till May. <laughs> Advanced then, copy, bitch. And then this one is for your wife. Okay. Uh, which see. is a cool book on like women writers and artists. Yeah. So, I thought it was really good. No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, that's awesome. Thank you very much. Of course. Um, I brought I thought, you. I, these, are, these are the ones I picked out for you that I thought I should have. I saw the tiger on the shelf and I was like, he would probably like this one. But then I thought maybe you'd already I just remember uh, honestly just like seeing that post and being like, oh, I want to read that. It's book. really good. Because you like, you glowed about it in the post. You know? Yeah. It's this guy in Russia whose job it is to put down like basically like man eating tigers. Like this, basically this tiger, some, something happens with the tiger. It starts killing hunters. And this guy is tracking this. And ti- tigers will kill for sport. That's the thing that people don't, they will. Not, not, not that yeah. all will, but they, they are natural predators that will, they like to hunt, right? Yes. Like lions, they, they almost always kill because they're hungry. A tiger doesn't have to be hungry to kill. When also like like a tiger's paws like the size of a basketball. Like you think, you'd be like, a tiger's paw, what is it, like this big? Yeah, it's like, no, it's like this big. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, Hey, speaking of lines, have you have you seen that Val Kilmer movie, The Ghost in the Darkness? Yeah, and that, there, that there's a book on that too. That oh, I I I loved that movie. Yeah. It was so it was so fun, and that was the like one of the big things about that is even amongst like people and like animal experts yeah. is that it was it felt to them like one of the rare occurrences that these lions were actually killing for sport. That well, it was it was rare that they would just want to kill. If if you've been to the Field Museum in Chicago, yeah, you, you can see, see the you lion. See the lions. Yeah. It has like they have like fucked up teeth. Yeah, and like it was something where I think oftentimes, well, two things, but they had fucked up teeth, and so like it was just easier to kill humans than real, than like 
its uh, actual prey. So it yeah. was like the human, usually they stayed clear of the humans, but this was like, it was somehow easier. They killed a bunch of people. Like, too. yeah, they found like a cave full of human bones, yeah. which is fucking nuts. Um, and then also there's a book, is it, who is it? Mary? What is that? Sorry. There's what? a new book called Fuzz. Uh-huh. And it's all about human animal interactions and like, it's, it's called like Fuzz When Animals Break the Law. Mm-hmm. And it's all about like people whose job it is like, in Lake Tahoe, like the the people whose job it is to like catch the bears that like continually break into people's houses, or uh-huh. like in India, there's like this certain kind of monkey that's out of control. Oh, Mary Roach, that book's really good, also. And you've I talked about that. I've seen you write before about not just I don't want to say mindlessly reading, but like active reading, right? Where like take notes or highlight things, I like fold like, pages and take notes, and then that wh- that's what I learned from Robert is this process of then like transferring it to index cards and then the index cards become the material in the books that I write usually. So I'm usually, I'm all, I'm always reading with some eye towards material also. Oh really? Yeah. But like when you read something that is like, has, you know, I don't know, like the sun, like I took a bunch of notes. I took a bunch of notes from when I was reading the sun and then I did, I found, cause I was just going through the other day. I wrote two, I do this email every day called daily stoic and then one called daily dad. And I found two passages in that book that I was like, Oh, I could use this to write something for daily dad. So I'm, I'm just always finding daily dad's stuff. about parenting though. Yeah. 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 It's like one parenting message every day. So I should sign up for this. It's there's also an Instagram. Uh, oh shit. Um, here, I've got you. That's the best oh. book I ever read. Oh, of course. Um, I've, I have heard of this. Uh, it's fucking unbelievable. <laughs> You'll probably need a number of index cards. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll fold all of it. Um, just read the first chapter. I will. Uh, that is... Um, no, that's... it's. But I think it's a really good thing to... For someone like me who I'm like, you know, I... I look back and I go, I haven't read a ton of books in the last decade. I've read a few, but I've never looked back at a reading experience and been like, that was, I'm so pissed that I did. It's always like an enjoyable experience. Do you read as you're writing too? Like in other words, are you? I usually read a lot before I start a book on that topic. And then when I'm writing on a topic, I read randomly. Mm -hmm. And then I am always amazed at things that I find when I wasn't looking. So you're sort of opening yourself up to serendipity. Mm Mm-hmm. I think one rule, like people who read a lot quit a lot of books yeah. and people who don't read a lot don't get that. So they're like, I've been reading this book for six months and it's like time to quit. Like the, the, move on from that yeah, one. Yeah. Like, like it sucks. Like the job of the reader is to capture your attention and make, or the job of the writer is to capture your attention and make you think I need to fucking finish this book. It's yeah. so good. Right. And if they haven't done that, there's actually this stoic joke um, where Epictetus hears this um, this students talking about having read, they were bragging about having read this obscure stoic writer named Chrysippus, who was really boring and long-winded. And he goes, you know, if Chrysippus was a better writer, you would have less to be proud of. And so like, to me, if you're like, oh, that book was really hard, like, it's because the writer did a bad job. It's not because you're dumb. Yeah. Like the writer did a bad job. That's a good, that's a good thing to tell people. Yes. Yeah. It's like, p- find a new book. Yes. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be like, I gutted my way through so-and-so's new special. Yeah. No, right. Of like, course. Like no, the job is to make you not do that. That's a hundred. Cause like same thing with movies or TV yeah. shows. If you're like, I want to turn this thing off. You, you're going to you want to watch another movie. And you're not wrong. By it the sucks way, have for you. you. Watched, have you watched slow horses? No. Fuck. Is it good? It's so good. Okay. It's uh, Apple Plus. Uh, Gary Oldman the, is the, the, the lead in it. What is it about? It is about 
the people that like the fuck up agents kicked out of MI5 oh. go to this they call it Slough House and like they're they're like the the the, the cat the send-offs like they're the you know the guys that, that yeah, yeah. fucked up in MI5 and he is like overseeing it oh. and they basically get thrown into um I w- I don't want to give anything away but they're supposed to be like just exist like you guys just push papers and then they get wrapped up into like high stakes oh, fine. scandal and the whole cast is but you know, he's he's phenomenal of course. and and uh it's really well done really like it's high level production like it's really there's so many there's so many shows now like i can never i when i meet people that have seen every show i'm like you don't have kids right yeah because i'm like how the fuck do you watch like every yeah. show they're like yeah have you seen this show that i'm like no so when i stumble on something it's really got to like you're saying it's got to grab my attention i really have to like the genre the storytelling all that and that one is it's really yeah, good yeah people are either admitting they have like five nannies or yeah. they are just bad parents. Like I was someone's like, Oh yeah, I saw a top gun in the theater three times. And I'm like, what? you have two kids. Wait, <laughs> what? I haven't seen one movie in the theater. What are you talking I know, about? I don't know. I like, or like, do you work? What do you do? Yeah. Or are you just like you and your spouse don't like each other? Yeah. Like, you know, you have, you have too much time. How could you do that? How could you, like, I can't imagine being like, Hey, I'm gonna go to the movies by myself, like yeah. with young kids. And yeah. my wife be like, fuck you are you know uh and then be like i'm going to the movies to see a movie i already saw she'd be uh, like what what, yeah, what are you no. talking about i've seen fly i've seen movies on flights well of course yeah that's totally like, different and hotel yeah that's like yeah. that's i'm seeing movies that are like in this show i don't know a lot of times like i end up watching shows that people are raving about six years later yeah you know i'm like oh yeah i, I just started that show yeah, or I just, I'm like, I'm watching The Office again, I guess. Yeah. You know? Do you like the original Office? Not as much. See, I'm the opposite. Really? I stopped watching the U.S. Office, like, pretty much right away. Really? Because I was so, like, I watched the, the the British Office first, and I was like, this is the funniest fuck. And there's a tone to it. Yeah. So I thought that the t- the tone exactly would carry. It's it's harsher. It's like, it's definitely, it's more cutting um, because I don't know, it's, that's the way the Brits do it. Um, and I think BBC allows more, but I never got into, um, the U S version and I would give, uh, <laughs> I'm for whenever I'm watching something, I have to be like, is this better than a rerun of law and order? And like, yeah. cause I would rather just watch, watch that. that. Yeah. Like, cause it's totally self-contained. Yeah. They're not trying, like, I think that's the thing I hate about streamers where it's like very obvious that it's like, has to be interesting at the beginning and interesting at the end of the episode. And then mm-hmm. it can be just nonsense in between because they just want you to go to let the autoplay of the next episode that's like the whole is there a new is there any series that you're really into right now or not right now i think i've I've finished most of the stuff that i'm interested in but i haven't found anything where i'm like this is like my next thing i can't i'm i'm already i already have depression knowing that there's only two seasons of flow horses (laughs) because when you find one that you really love you're like you you like the people you're yeah, like you like the people the and people. the the storytelling and that whole world is like you know yeah I'm already like fuck this is gonna end soon yeah yeah and they have great like cliffhangers and you know and where who does it is it like one is it Netflix where you know it's only gonna go like three seasons it's Apple Plus um, they have done two seasons but they're current like the, the show started in 22 so they might be I don't know if they're shooting a third season let's see does it say it says renewed for a season is it three that right there hit the one on the left that one yeah. Yeah, renewed for season three and four. Oh, and four. All right. Well, I'm going to get two more seasons in 2025. Have you watched Chad and JT go deep? 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. No. Oh, it's so funny. What is that on? It's this, it's, uh, I think it's on Netflix. It's only like six episodes, but it's like basically these guys, they're like, uh, bro activists and they go to like city council meetings yeah. and like, um, uh, Dr. Drew's in one of the episodes. It's super funny. Yeah. Um, they like, they, um, like the first episode, they, they like, they, they hear that like sunning your butthole is good for your health. And so they go to like the Orange County City Council mm-hmm. to ask for a public park where this could be done. And then um, it's like real stuff. Like they're actually they really did it. It's like, so it's Borat with fake stuff. Yeah. And then he's like, allow me to model it for you. You know, and he like gets down like in the city council and he's like doing it. It's the best. It's so good. Okay. They're amazing. Okay. Amazing. Okay. Um, Chad and JT go. Oh, it's so, it's so good. I'll check the sun your butthole. <laughs> I mean, my kids would love that. Dude, they, it, it's so it's so, it's so good, um, and and the city like because the city council people are used to crazy people. Oh yeah, and like they can't tell if it's real or not, and like, oh, it's the best. Yeah, the library took my password. How about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sir, what is this? You yeah, know, like just, you can't talk about this here. Well, what does this have to do with the city of Orange County or whatever? You know? Did you see that? Like those dominatrixes go into the Miami city council thing and they no. came in in full Ooh. leather like you know their whole thing and they were like funding should be diverted to building a dungeon for us and they like they got they yeah. gave their whole yeah speech and like one of them has a collar on and stuff and, and were they serious yeah i mean yeah i mean i they clearly looked to me like they were uh, we've played it on our on the show um they looked to me like they were um aware because they were like she yeah. was a little too savvy yeah. to not be aware that this would get a lot of attention, yeah. like probably national attention, that it would go viral yeah. in some sense. But it was a real, it was a real, um, what do you got? You got it? Yeah, yeah, looking for it right now. Um, they just walked in and I think there was three of them too. So it was like, it was definitely coordinated the way that they walked up and city council had to, yeah. Oh. Good evening, council peoples. You may call me mistress. I am here standing neutral to the motion approving an agreement for the proprietary purchase of yard waste processing and disposal. I do, however, find it interesting that you will spend almost $1 million to hide your secrets down the drain. Hiding that condom I know you used to cheat on your spouse with. So... I propose that you use a quarter of that mill to support doms and subs in Broward County. Broward County. To build a go. dungeon. Just north of, of Dade course, County. Florida. Yeah. Created for us by us, the taxpayers and voting citizens. This is a great outfit. In closing, <laughs> do not let I mean, this seriously. glamorous look distract you. From doing you remember when, like, to take my Back demand. to the Future came out, yeah. and they had us believe that this is what everyone would be wearing in 2015? Yeah. They were like, 2015, they'll be floating, and people will have visor, like, glass helmets on, and you're like, oh, yeah, that'll be 2015. 
Yep. I wish that's what cops were today. People are still slobs. No, people are animals. <laughs> Do you write that something about um, presentation? Like, oh yeah, yeah. There's a chapter on uh, Angela Merkel, who, which is like, wasn't uh, the the idea that you have to. It's like you have to care about presentation, but you can't care that much. Yeah, I mean, there is this. Uh, I've I've touched on this before. That like, my father used to always say. He's like, do you know what I used to wear? He's like, do you know what people would wear to uh, fly? He's yeah. like, a coat and tie. Yeah, yeah like, I remember as a kid, tie. my dad was like, you can't wear that to the airport. And I was yeah. like, what are you talking and about? now? Yeah. Now people are in, not even shoot, slip, like the house slippers. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a, a tank top, but a thin one. So like your armpits are out. Like, and it's cut down to here. I saw a woman get on a flight in a bikini with just the the wrap but the wrap was see-through. like she just left the pool and just went to the like, like, was, yeah like yeah. she's walking to the restroom at the pool yeah like but just, put just a got on a flight and got on a flight and you're like man it's why it's like the complete opposite and the best is when you see people at the airport and they don't have any bags of any kind i talked yeah well, or a trash bag and you're like, <laughs> that's, that's, you're like i don't even suit it but you're just like where's your stuff yeah like i'm going uh, tomorrow i'm leave for la in the morning and i fly back from la at night and i'm still like Got a backpack and shit. Yeah, you know, but like you're like, what are you? Where are you going? Where's your shit? That you've no stuff. Yeah, I've you seen, checked all the things, and then you're just gonna sit and stare on the airplane. When you see a hefty bag in yeah, like that, and you're like, all right, and and like you're like, you don't have to. I get it. You don't have to have like a Tumi bag, but like, <laughs> dude, if you bought coffee today, you yeah. can get a backpack or something at Target. Right? Yeah, like you right. just have all your shit in a trash bag. You're out of your fucking mind. But with regard to like attire, yes. I talked to, uh, I, I think I was talking to Kirk Fox about this because we were on a flight and we we're like, look at these like animals, yeah. right? And I think we, we ended up getting to the conclusion when we were like, why, why don't people? And I think it's, some of it is tied to hope that it is a different yeah. culture and society yeah. and all these things. But you dressed a certain way when you have some hope that life can get better. Sure. And if you completely believe that everything sucks and there's no way out of anything, then why would you care? Like, I don't give a shit about what I'm wearing. Like, well, well to go back to Robert Caro, so he, he obviously works for himself. He's an yeah. old man, super successful. Yeah. He wakes up, he showers, he puts on a, a three-piece suit, a and suit. he goes to work and writes because when he was young— that's what a journalist, wore. I mean, so that's yeah. what, jur- that was, you know, you watch old movies and the journalists are all dressed yes, up. Yes, dressed up. Like, I mean, same with me. Like, I, I wake up and I shower and I shave mm-hmm. and I put on clothes mm-hmm. and I go to my office. Because, like, I mean, I could just walk in the other room and pull up my laptop and do it on the couch. But I think there's something about Being environment in yeah. and transition yeah. and, like, showing up as a professional that you have to do. And I think... I mean, you're usually flying for work or yeah. your life is also your work. And then some of these people, they're like, oh, I'm just going to see my sister for three weeks. I'll wear pajamas. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Come and wear know? pajamas to, tonight. So might as well put them on this morning. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't want to like, there's certain clothes that I don't want to do. Like if I put on sweatpants, like mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I don't feel like working personally. Yeah. You, I, there's, I think certain things that prime, I mean, you could probably gut it out. You could. Yeah. But of there's, there's something about not being a slob that I think, I think people think of the writer or the creative, like in their bathrobe, just walking they around. They romanticize that and whole it's, thing. And it's more like, actually the more you treat it like a job, the more like 
it's actually, it's, I think it's like an important boundary. You know, you're yeah. like, when I show up to the office, like I, like you're not supposed to wear like shirt sleeves in the Oval Office because it's like a sacred place. Oh, really? Yeah. You're not, you're supposed to wear like always a dress a jacket. Yeah. Or, you can't, you can't walk into the Oval Office in a t-shirt, you know, like that's, that's awesome. you can't, uh, you know, there, there's a, um, or the Senate, the Senate dining room, which I weirdly had breakfast in a couple of times. You have to w- wear a suit. Like yeah. you can't just sh- like, this is a place, there's some ceremony around the office. It's not about the person. It's about the stakes of what the people who are temporarily entrusted with the authority have there's, to There's a like. dining room at uh, DAR, Constitution Hall in DC. Yeah. That um, they, it was near the green room. And they are like, somebody talked to somebody and they're like, you want to see the room? And I was like, okay. And they're like, the only people who've been in this room are like the members yeah, and the Dalai Lama, the last six presidents. And then they tell you a list of people that weren't allowed in the room. And you're like, okay, I'll check out the room. So <laughs> they're like tell, showing you the room. Yeah. And then they go, somebody was like, show, like, can we, can we give them the carpet? And I'm like. Okay. Oh, Daughters of the American Revolution. Yeah, that's what it is. There, but there's a there's a room that is like a, this special reception room there, right? Not the not the and there's a carpet, and they're like, this is the this carpet is made by it's a it's a, I think it's the same person that does the carpet of the oval. It's a very mm-hmm. famous carpet maker, sure. And so it's kept rolled up, and they put it out just for special events wow and then so they were like they asked if i could i think my tour manager asked and they were like okay <laughs> so then they had to move a bunch of furniture roll out this carpet and i was like wow like you see it and you're like this beautiful carpet. i don't know what to say man um and they're like you know it's like five thousand dollars a square foot or something and you're like holy shit and they're like don't fucking bring a drink on that and you're like okay okay and then, you know, they let us take pictures of like, like take pictures of the carpet. <laughs> like it was a whole thing. Um, sat there and then, you know, they're just like, all right. And then it was a whole process. A team of people came, rolled it up, put all the stuff back. And they're like, you understand the privilege you just <laughs> seen? Do you have carpet? any like sacred things like in your space that you like touch or like think about? Like, that, uh, like prime you to do what you do? To do work like that? Yeah. Um, no, well... If I'm writing, see, because like writing stand-up for me is not like like writing the book or mm-hmm. something or writing a, a script. That stuff I do more like what you're asking right now, which is like you know I I like looking at this section of a of a um, a dresser and like a, a couple items. I like looking at this be uncomfortable phrase, like mm-hmm. a reminder of it. Sure. Um, and so there's and there are a couple of photos, and, you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Um, and then I just like to clear, I like to clear this. I, I find that I have a real trouble with like piles. Yeah. And so I like to eliminate them before I work. And then for stand up, because stand up is more like, you know, you're kind of in a zone and you go, Oh yeah. And then you make notes of that. Sure. And then you do it and then you, listen to it maybe later and you make no, but it's not, it's not the same t- for me, not the same process of like, I'm working on this book or I'm working on this script. Mm. That's more in line. You don't like show up for work. It's more like everything is your work. In stand up, yeah. I think I feel like you're kind of 
just going through things. And it's, it's about being uh, tuned in. In other words, yeah. you can tune out and be like, I don't know how to write stand-up material. But if you kind of lean in, you can figure it out. You can figure out how to do it. But it's not so much like I'm going to sit at a desk. Interesting. That, but that is how writing the book works. Yeah. You know? Wow. Yeah. What do you do? Uh, yeah. I mean, I have, I have my, my office, which is like near the bookstore. And then um, actually, I just bought Joan Didion's desk chair. Ooh. And uh, so that's my, that's like my new, my new thing. And the desk chair. Is yeah. it an awesome desk chair? It's pretty cool. I mean, it's like, it's old. Yeah. She's like a little old lady, but, or was, but, um, so I just got that. And then, um, I, uh, I have like little things. Like I have this like stone, I just found this cool, it's like a paleolithic, like stone tool, uh, that like humans, you know, chipped out of like mm-hmm. a, thousands of years ago and then i also have like a i have a knife like a pen knife from like when the when the romans like so like this would be like oh this could be a thing really yeah a a knife from that era it's like a little like it's like it would be like one of the knives that like they stabbed julius caesar with that like a person would carry in their toga wow and that's kind of just like sitting on my desk i'm fool with it is that a fortune to get something this was not no really um but uh yeah i have like little and then i have like not poster, like prints or like, like is your, is your be uncomfortable thing is just something you scrawled mm-hmm. or yeah. interesting. Yeah. Like little like sort of mantras or reminders like that is really, I, th- I think like is important. Yeah. Just the space. Like I, I believe in vibe. Vibe is a big thing. Yeah. A creative, a creative space. Yeah. There's no way you can ignore the vibe. That's yeah. nonsense. I don't buy that at all. Yeah. yeah. No, it's all about the vibe in that room. Yeah. Right now it's got too much bullshit in it though. Interesting. And half of it's that free fucking shit we were just talking right. about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That you feel bad getting rid of. Yeah. And I, and sometimes I move it from one pile, like <laughs> this pile, to like a chair pile. So now it's all just sitting on this chair. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. And then someone comes into the office to sit down and I'm like, just move that shit over there. Right. I, I hate it. I Actually, it, it's making me upset right now to think about it because I know I should just go in there and spend the time. That's the thing is the time to make the room what it should be. Every time I, like something comes in, I, like, I don't want this, I just throw it right in the trash. That's like, oh shit, I, they sent that so I could specifically test it and then talk about it on the podcast. Uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, whenever I like make the decision to like get rid of the thing, it's yeah. always the, like the wrong thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, I just sent that to you. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah. I yeah, think, but then I'll keep like a fucking, you, like a screw. Like yes. a, that, uh, I don't know where it goes. I'm like, well, that's, that should stay. What if I need that screw for something, you know? We, we had someone like come like, organize our house mm-hmm. and she was like here's there was a box of wooden boxes you know like stuff comes yeah. it'll come in like a wooden box yeah and you're like i can't just throw away a wooden box it's different than a cardboard box yeah yeah like, she's like you have to pick how many wooden boxes you're keeping sure you know yeah because you it's like zero wooden boxes you go like a wooden box is pretty cool and right i feel the same way about i have i'm such a hoe for like uh, bags and, and pouch it like anything yeah. leather bound or something like yeah like we should keep all those yeah. you know and like I'll just I'll collect them yeah to the point where I'm like I don't know how many backpacks and bags I have it's it's like countless at this point yeah whenever I do a talk and they're like and then they leave like a bag full oh, of yeah. shit in your hotel room yeah. and you're like it's the backpack and then come home and then yeah we have literally a section of our house of backpacks backpacks yeah and it's like I. I have the backpack. I already ha- I bought the backpack that I use. Right. You know, that's like the one that's, you like. And yes. Yeah. The chances that this new free backpack is going to go into the rotation is 0%. It should be given away. But you basically. can't, you yeah. can't get rid of it. I know. I'm going to go home right now and give away a bunch of shit. 
There's nothing anybody can say to talk me out of it. Do you have this stuff go to your house? That's the other problem. I try not to. Yeah. But sometimes these assholes will be like, here, this came for you, and they put it in my trunk. Yes, yeah, it's yes. your fucking fault. I got to put blame on somebody. Yeah, that's right. Raise your hand. No, you take it home. <laughs> they yeah. don't want it either. They're like, here you go. Yeah. Then I drive home, and I'm like, what is this? I don't know why I brought this home. Well, this is in the car for like two months first. You know what? I'm going to start with these books. Guys, get rid of these fucking books. <laughs> Speaking of which, here's a bag for the books. Oh, good. I love bags. Yeah, I love bags. <laughs> Great. This is, I'm keeping this. The books are going in the trash. <laughs> All right. Uh, dude, it was a real treat to yeah, have this you. this is awesome. Man. Thank you. Thank you, for, thank you for coming. My pleasure. Um, I hope we can do it again. Yeah, I would love that. And um, something ever happens to Bert, which it looks like it's probably going to. <laughs> You can sit here all the time. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. What are we? Um. What? Uh. Newest book. Wait. What's the newest one? The newest one is the Daily Dad one, but that's not out till May. Oh, it's not till May. And that, but Discipline is Destiny is the newest one. Okay, so that's the one that I was just reading. All right. Discipline is. I. I honestly. I mean, I think you can tell. I really, really Thank enjoyed you. it. It looks um, like there's some wear and tear on it. So oh yeah, good. man. I've yeah. been reading this thing. Um. I have the obstacles of the way here. Although, is the folder? Is the page folded? The cover folded because you didn't finish? No, I finished. Okay. I finished. All right. I'm marking something I like. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm just checking. Shit. <laughs> God. Do you think I'm not going to read the afterword? No, on a podcast, you're like, I got two thirds of the way through. That's no, good. no, no, no. I, d- I didn't. I didn't cue you. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Um, well, we'll do it again. And yeah. uh, I, I recommend the book. I really highly recommend it. Discipline is Destiny. Ryan Holiday, The Daily Stoic. Thank you very much, buddy. Thanks for having me. Bert and Tom, Tom and Bert. One goes topless while the other wears a shirt. Tom tells stories and Bert's the machine. There's not a chance in hell that they'll keep it clean. Here's what we call Two Bears on Cave. No scripts, a bit of booze, amateur partology, dirty jokes, raunchy humor, no apologies. Here's what we call Two Bears, One Cave. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because I always wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it an incredible, fast, and easy way to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. You can shop by price, like if you want to find a gift that's $25 and under, or you can bump your budget filter up to $100 if she really deserves a good gift. You can also filter by category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Macy's also offers gift lists, like for moms who have everything. Gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted. Some of the top gifts are Beats headphones, the Studio Pro models, digital photo frames, Polaroid cameras, or the Samsung Smart TV, The Frame. Let me tell you something. This makes shopping so much easier. I get panicked when I shop. I talked about it with Tom. I only shop for myself, so shopping for other people is really difficult, especially for my mom and Leanne, both mothers. But this is making it a no-brainer. So go to Macy's.com slash gift finder to find the perfect gift for this Mother's Day. That's Macy's dot com slash gift finder.